Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Welcome to another super edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host Craig McKenzie and this time we are discussing the recently released Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. Is it better than the theatrical cut? Well, that's what we're here to find out. With me today I've got Angus. Hello. And Aaron. Hello. Welcome on. And we're here to talk about Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, the Ultimate Edition. Ultimate. Yeah, just because the title wasn't long enough. Or the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, before we get into spoiler territory, uh, what are the initial thoughts? Um, no spoilers, obviously. Um, I prefer it. The longer edition is much better. I got a lot more out of it. That just because they explained a lot more stuff. I had time to go into a bit of detail, and there was so much in it. I think I needed the detail to really enjoy it. Yeah, I'd agree the the longer version is a lot better. There are some, I think, extraneous elements, but other than beyond... You mean the Justice uh, League? Well, um, <laughs> I think it's... If you didn't like the film before, this ain't going to change your mind. I think uh, I'm of that opinion. I, th- I was kind of looking for things to like more than I was... <laughs> you know, like I was desperately searching for things. Although, I, you know, there are bits that I enjoyed. I just found it three hours. It was just a bit of a chore and, that you know... Uh, yeah, I would agree, though, that the, the additional stuff does help in some ways. Yeah, I get the sense this is the cut that Zack Snyder wanted, but wasn't allowed for some reason. Uh, just because it was too long. It's just giant. Uh, yeah. Sounds like yeah. a radio edit for songs. He just had to cut it down or they wouldn't get people coming to see it, I should think. Simple as that. Yeah, well, it's interesting how some scenes that don't make any sense make some sense now. <laughs> yes. It's... Uh, I, I do think this is the original cut of the film. Uh, whether they whether it really is or not is another story, but I do think this is the version that Snyder wanted us to see, for better or for worse. Is that not always the way, though? There's always an editor's cut somewhere. You always see this, that, and the other, the editor's cut, and it just makes it sound like the posh way of saying this is everything that I filmed that I really liked, even though it doesn't make a coherent film. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of films where they bring out a director's cut after the fact, and they usually, or they'll claim it's a director's cut, but all they do is they slap in a couple of deleted scenes and you know charge you more for it. Yeah. Uh, whereas sometimes you do get a version that the director wanted to be made, there's, I'm trying to think, um, The Mist, I think. The director really wanted the black and white version, and on the, on the Blu-ray you get the black and white version because yes. uh, the CGI looks really terrible in colour, but in black and white it looks fine. <laughs> um, so there's a, there's all sorts of examples of that. 
So there's plenty of films where the, the director says, yeah, this wasn't the film that I wanted it to be. Kingdom of Heaven's another one. <laughs> uh, well, Ridley yeah, Scott. Isn't Ridley <laughs> Scott always doing that? Yeah. Blade Runner. <laughs> there's an extended cut of The Martian coming out soon as well. Oh, really? Yeah, another 10 minutes. I don't think I need another 10 minutes, but... I think I was able to. T- I was wondering before watching it if I remember which bits weren't in the theatrical release. Mm. But then I think I was able to tell when I was sort of pick up on it and think, "Oh, yeah, I haven't seen this before." And then, but then now thinking about it, I'm trying to piece together how that would have seemed going into the scenes, you know, directly following the reinserted stuff. Yeah, because you've mentioned how it wasn't. It might not have been coherent the first time round with that stuff taken out. So now I'm trying to sort of retroactively go back and think where, why, what, what would I have thought at the time or how would that scene have matched up without the bit in the middle Yeah, part of me wanted to watch both versions before coming into this but I couldn't find <laughs> almost a working day to, yeah. to, to watch two of the same thing I think for me a lot of that stuff that was in the original as really short and then expanded in the extended edition was just this scenes and characters that come in as really short little teasers and all only had to be understood almost like a montage of plot where you could connect the whole thing together Mm -hmm. and the extended bit then allows you to really make sense of every individual scene Mm -hmm. i think there's a couple of characters that you you can just see a tiny amount of and you think oh yeah that's just connected to that Mm -hmm. but i don't really know how and then they then they just expand on it. it it just you don't. You don't necessarily need to know if it's if you take it as like a as a, as a yeah as a montage piece, just almost an emotional thing maybe. But yeah, you know, there's also yeah, there's well, there's a character inserted into this one that uh, I can't remember the character's name, but she's played by Jenna Malone, and uh, she wasn't in the theatrical cut, but she was just the lab tech that was analysing that bullet that Lois found. Uh, mm. All of her scenes were cut, and maybe they should have been left cut. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> because. I don't think she really added anything. I think everybody was hoping that she would be Oracle, you know, aka former Batgirl, but she wasn't. So, was that? Do you think that was um, the, there was the potential for that up until the point at which she was cut, or was it, or was she just cut out because you know, edited out of the theatrical for time? I think um, I think she was always intended to be whatever character it was she played, but mm-hmm. when there was pictures released, it was you know a picture of her sitting in a chair in front of a computer screen. Right, so people. Everyone, everyone's straight. That must be Oracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, it's not. <laughs> there's there's something else to disappoint me. So that's harsh, man. That's harsh. <laughs> well, she did have a little cameo, and you know, uh, kind of helping Lois out with her research and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we should get on to spoiler territory. Uh, get right in. You know, spoilers for a few months old film. <laughs> this looks like a job for Superman. Okay, so now that the veil has been lifted and we can talk about what we want, uh, we should start on the story. Um, a lot of people would say there isn't really one. I don't agree with that. I think there definitely is. But it's definitely a slow burn, and I think with a lot of superhero films, people are used to a bit faster pacing. So that's probably thrown a lot of people, I would say. Yeah, I definitely think there was a story there. There's, there's definitely le- 
Lex is a story, even though it's massively confusing, I found <laughs> at the start. I mean, what the hell is this guy's motivation? Yeah. Um, and there's the story that builds up to the actual fight itself, which is what we've all come to see. Yeah. And I think you definitely get more of that in the extended version. It's certainly um, Superman's reasons for fighting Batman in the, in the, in the, in the cinematic one is, it's just like, yeah, I have to do this yeah. and let's get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both of them had us, both of those two things were, were, uh, were a story. There's almost too much story. I think because it's like there's different films going on within the film. Yeah. There's a kind of desert war movie that it looks like somebody wanted to make. And so they had that whole kind of sequence, which then, uh, kind of feeds into the whole white Portuguese mystery. Mm. Uh, but then, you know, by the end, by the final hour of this three hour movie, that's all <laughs> about the, the big fight that, as Aaron said, we all came to see. So once you get to that, you've kind of forgotten all about what all, what, what all the whole desert thing was that led <laughs> us to this point. And of course, and, uh, the extended edition reveals that, uh, the dead CIA operative guy is actually Jimmy Olsen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That was a bit of a shock, actually. Well, when I first saw the theatrical one, I thought, maybe that's Jimmy Olsen. You know, purely because he was standing next to Lois Lane and had a camera. Yeah. Those seem to be good criteria for being Jimmy Olsen in these sorts of things. (laughs) As soon as he he announces that he's Jimmy Olsen, he gets shot. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't even tell you his name in the theatrical one, but I think he's still in the credits as Jimmy or Jimmy Olsen. Right. Yeah. Played by Michael Cassidy, who was in Smallville. So. All right. DC is so so inbred with all its cameos. Ah, oh, it's always that way, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. The the desert thing. Yeah. It's, it's. I even forget about that as it's going on, and I think that's a big problem with Lois Lane investigating this bullet thing. And uh, I almost feel like Lois Lane could be cut from this film, and and almost nothing would change. Because. Mm-hmm. You know, she's doing her own sort of investigation, which turns out to lead into the big villain plot. But other than that, she's if if you she wasn't doing that, then you wouldn't really miss it. I don't think there's that one part that where she really does need to be there to lure Superman to the uh, trap. Yeah, that's I mean, she, that's kind of neat. That's that's really necessary. Yeah, I think well, it could work just with just being a Lex Luthor's after some kryptonite manages to get some. And then is attempting to weaponize it story without the without the sort of um, conspiracy bullet theory uh, yeah. section. Yeah. Even that conspiracy thing doesn't work because it's clear that everyone's blaming Superman for killing all those people, but they were clearly murdered with bullets. Oh, I think Superman. it was different to that actually. That, that, and in fact, that's one of the reasons that I actually like this film uh, a lot is because of that conspiracy plot. I think wasn't it supposed to be the idea that he goes in and solves the problem. And then the problem that he has solved allows the government forces to then come in and do what they want with no resistance. And you argue that the rebel forces were supposed to be cruel and hard, but also this, the government forces of this nation were also supposed to be cruel and hard. And by upsetting a balance of power, a lot of innocent people were murdered. And even if that story turns out to be fake, I think it's very believable that that sort of political strife is happening at the moment. And honestly, that's what something I enjoyed seeing about this film was an attempt to connect somebody who is clearly 
you know, godlike, obviously, to uh, a problem that is relevant to now, that's relevant to a human being, because mm-hmm. he's effectively a government. Should yeah. we step in in a third world nation and do this? Oh, Iraq. No, let's not do that. Let's charge somebody that we were mentioned for war crimes. Mm. And and so and in comes Superman. Effectively, you could say, oh, well, should we? Should he intervened where he maybe shouldn't have done. Is is that a war crime? That's. It just seems very relevant, actually, in a way that some of the other superhero stuff isn't isn't going to tackle. It's true. I just think it could have been handled a bit more coherently, and it, it kind of gets a bit muddy and gets a bit lost, you know, midway through the film, and you're it's never really all that clear. I think they should probably just kind of uh, establish what you've just been talking about a bit more, uh, and and kind of show the manipulation of uh, of Superman's presence there. You know, yeah, yeah I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy with that. And when it was when he was accused of blowing up that that government building, um, mm-hmm. you know they they wondered if he was a co-conspirator in the in the bombing. But he wouldn't mm-hmm. use a bomb if he really wanted to trash the place. He could quite easily. Well, I think that doesn't that come back into politics of fear again? Though this is the sort of thing that people wildly make up. And if yeah. you are desperate to believe something, you will grab any argument whatsoever because it supports your opinion. So it doesn't have to be true. It's just somebody who's really angry or really frightened could go, yeah, yeah, that must be it. Yeah, that's definitely the reason. Oh, I hate him now even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But you, don't, you don't see the other side of someone saying, uh, why would Superman need a bomb? Of course yeah. not. That's because journalists have to create the most... Um, horrid little thing for you to keep you watching if they put on a reasoned argument and it'd be oh that's all reasoned we can't hate mm. anything here let's go away he said throwing his anti-journalism stuff in there but <laughs> free press <laughs> jolly good carry on <laughs> freedom of the press yeah but uh, i would have liked to see the, the at least someone you know even if it was just someone a bystander asking that question to someone because obviously it would be going through people's heads if you know you see someone that kind of wears their powers on their sleeve, so to speak, doesn't use anything that they don't, they can't do themselves. Why would they suddenly plant a bomb somewhere? Mm. Do you think yeah. some more conflict between the the citizens would have been, you know, so you could see a bit of the, the for and against Superman camps? Yeah, well, one thing I wanted to see in the extended edition that you don't is when he turns up to that hearing, uh, I would have liked to see him actually say something. Mm instead of just stand there looking conflicted and then um, and, and be talked at until the explosion happens. At that point, you think that he's just kind of resigned to having to put up with this uh, kind of system and this bureaucracy and stuff that he's dealing with? Mm. Or, you know, he's, he's kind of uh, seen the reaction to when he tries to help and how people don't twist his actions or um, try and portray him in a different way. And it really kind of comes across that he's quite fed up with trying to help people that are ungrateful. Yeah. Uh, One thing that definitely does come across is we do live in a more cynical time than even the Christopher Reeve era of Superman. You know, in those films, everybody was really excited to see this flying alien who was helping them. And in these films, people are really suspicious of him. He's got all this power and he's helping us now, but what, what if he decides not to? Um, and that seems to be a common theme that that runs through it. People are worried that he might suddenly stop helping us. Well, that, yeah, I think that's I think that's definitely one of the things that makes it 
uh, one of the more interesting films. It's it's just means that this genre also has something to give that isn't just silly humor. And clearly, you want a bit of humor here and there, and you want us to have some fun and this, that, and the other. But mm. if everybody is having fun films, then actually, I'm quite up for DC saying, well, do you know what? We're going to try and tackle an issue to some degree. I know we're a superhero film. We're never going to be creating an art house film here, but mm-hmm. let's actually try and make something that can connect with the audience in, in a different way other than their funny burn. I really appreciated that, actually. Yeah, it's, for Superman, I would much prefer him to be more optimistic. Um, and, you know, people can oppose him and that would be that would still be interesting, but if he's the if he's the guy that assures everyone that he's never going to turn on them, he's always going to be there to help no matter what they say or what they do. Uh, one of the animated films, um, Superman versus the Elite, did that quite well. People were starting to be a bit sick of him and, and how he was so self righteous and, and he's he kind of led by example and kept doing what he was doing, even though people were kind of falling out of favour with him. So they could have went with that angle. Um, you know, but isn't that stuff- red and blue. But isn't that stuff that sort of, again, it, it's sort of already done. You've got nice guys, you've got good heroes. It's it, This is taking a, a a different track entirely. I mean, why go over something that's already been done, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. That's, um, I just have certain expectations of, of Superman and the sort of brooding, um, conflicted, unsure of himself type character doesn't really suit him necessarily i don't think yeah, but it fits into the universe because one of the things i did think they do well in this film and i don't know if it's the director the writer or everybody is make sure that every single part of the characters and and who you see fits in with this darker nastier version of itself so I think if everything was darker and nastier, except the guy in the bright red suit, he would seem like a clown. Yeah. It's true, yeah. Tonally, it does all kind of fit together that way. But I did find that three hours of that was a bit, <laughs> a bit much. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how these um, how DC are reacting to the, the reactions from each film by trying to fix the next one. You know, usually while it's still being made. You know, Suicide Squad was reportedly reshot a lot to include more fun scenes after people complained about the grimness. And then um, apparently the Wonder Woman color palette's been lightened so that, you know, it looks a bit brighter and the Flash is now going to be quite, uh, have a bit of humor in it and, and things like that. So uh, this one obviously this has almost... pretty overt references to the sections of the city that are um, vacant when they're about to be flattened. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Well, that, that's after, definitely the reaction here, Superman. isn't it? Yeah. Why did you bring the beast back here? Uh, the port is abandoned. <laughs> no homeless people live here, apparently. <laughs> is there a big danger, though, if they start colouring everything in and making everything lighter again, that they're going to have uh, this this response to what they've just done is now going to flip the other way around and now everybody's going to go, ah, it's just like Marvel now, we don't need to watch it. It's all these happy, bright, funny characters, you know. Yeah. Are they, they doomed, therefore, to always be wrong, which I think is really harsh. Yeah, it's pretty tough that they've got to kind of follow Marvel and then everything that they do seems like a kind of overreaction one way or another. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the, I suppose the, at the end of the day, they're not going to please everyone. 
someone's always going to have a problem with something they do. Well, it's either imitation or trying too hard to be different, one of the two. But mm-hmm. yeah, the I mean, the DC films have a lot of haters, and I think with Suicide Squad, it's more than justified. But uh, <laughs> I like <laughs> that was wrong for a different problem, though. That wasn't <laughs> oh, it was too gritty. That had yeah. other issues. I think well, it's significant issues and. Uh, if anybody's listening, there's an entire podcast on it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, I think this film, more or less, and Man of Steel as well, they more or less have a, a consistency in their in their tone. You know, they both feel like they're part of the same universe, at least. Mm-hmm. Whereas Suicide Squad doesn't feel like it's in the same universe. So I think they need to pick a, pick a vision of some sort and stick to it in some way. And you can deviate from that and have some fun with it, but I don't... I think they need to settle on what they're trying to do and work on perfecting that rather than trying to put out little brush fires when people complain. Maybe that was Suicide Squad was just the comedy film on the side that was too early in the franchise for there to be an on the side yet. Because Guardians yeah. came along after we'd had a buttload of films already and it could easily be something completely different and you didn't need to worry about it, it was just a side film yeah. but we're not that far into the DC franchise yet to have an mm. offshoot maybe. Yeah. I'd agree that they that Suicide Squad doesn't seem like it fits in with these films but maybe they don't maybe it's a good idea not to have everything seem like just a sort of extension of the same film because I personally find that I just get really kind of fatigued with watching superhero movie after superhero movie that feel like it's just, they could all just be tacked together into one massive uh, film. If they don't feel particularly distinct from each other, that's I think why I enjoyed Ant-Man so much because it felt like it fit into the Marvel universe, but it felt kind of fresh and it had a different sort of approach. Um, Whereas the sequels that, that feel a lot like their predecessors, I find a lot more tiresome. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, I'm not entirely sure how I would like DC's cinematic universe to go. Um, I think I would like a little bit more optimism or a little bit more levity now and again. And I think that Justice League is promising that. Whether they actually deliver on it is another story. I think possibly with the expansionism principle that they're sort of going to have to, because by the time the power level goes up that far, it's pretty much magic. So they're going to have to put the threat and, and, and entertainment in, in in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even Suicide Squad had one of those end of the world scenarios that was that didn't fit it. And yeah, I think everybody's getting a little bit tired of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, although, to be fair, I don't think this film really has an end of the world scenario. You know, Doomsday is kind of doing a lot of damage, but there's no immediate global threat at that point. No, no, no. It's it's better for it. It's I yeah. think our films are honestly much better for that. Yeah, um, I do think that it, it gets it starts to feel like a bit much by the time you've seen the the Batman v Superman fight and then Batman doing his thing and then um, Superman versus Doomsday and then the Trinity versus Doomsday. By the time you get to the Trinity versus Doomsday, Doomsday it's just beams flying around and rubble being thrown around and and he does suffer from being. Oh, looking a bit too much like every other sort of ogre from Lord of the Rings. That, oh, he so did, yeah. Cave that, troll. <laughs> yeah, cave troll. That, you know, every every sort of big baddie yeah. nowadays looks like that. Which, yeah. It's also mindless beasts aren't that fun. You know, they're yeah. It's yeah. just a mindless tool of destruction. So, right. 
you know, why should I really care? Um, are we also allowed to call it the Trinity, by the way? Because essentially Batman was just kind of serving <laughs> hors d'oeuvres, really, you know. <laughs> running there's a, yeah, there's running a bit where he's just watching. Because <laughs> the power level's him. already too high for him. You know, he yeah. can get to the A-list villains because he is smart. But when they want him to run, right, this is the action scene. You know, sorry, being smart, you've just got nothing to do. Right? That's going to be a real problem. Well, he fires his kryptonite gas grenade thing. And it does almost nothing, and then that's him. He, he's, he's spent. He has nothing left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I guess that brings us on nicely to I mean, Batman and the treatment of him in this film. Uh, obviously, we've seen quite a few cinematic Batmans, from Michael Keaton to Val Kilmer to George Clooney. Though probably shouldn't mention him. Uh, <laughs> Christian Bale, and now Ben Affleck. You know how does how does Ben compare to the the rest? I think he looks like he could have come out of the animated series. Yeah, I think yeah he, he has that kind of weird body shape, doesn't he? Yeah, I, <laughs> he looks very animated, and I, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think he, you know, I think he looks the part, despite being massively beefy. Yeah, billionaire bodybuilder quite, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> um, Christian Bale kind of beefed up a bit as well, but I think because of how kind of, well, you know, supposedly gritty and realistic those films were, even that, he seemed like a more, he seemed more of a human, whereas even Bruce Wayne in this seems like he could be a superhero because he kind of struts around biceps bulging in his uh, power suits. Yeah, well, one thing DC has always, or consistently done anyway with their characters, has made even the human ones, you know, even the humans that dress in suits larger than life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Marvel always did the, He's a teenager who's a superhero sometimes, whereas, you know, DC, it's like Superman's this alien who's a reporter sometimes. So, you know, the the powers or the the secret identity is the most important part, um, at least in terms of how they're writing it. So they they do that with Batman. He seems, even though he's just human, he seems almost godlike, in inverted commas. Yeah, I think he added added more comic book feel, I think, just just the the look of 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 Bruce Wayne and Batman in this one. Yeah. Definitely I liked the 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 extra evil I'm gonna put in it there. That's a bit too much actually. They but the that nastiness that they put in was better done than what was previously called the Dark Knight Rises, you know, where mm. they, they said, Oh you you have to be I have to be what they hate now. You get to be what's good and I get to be something horrible and wasn't really that horrible at all whereas this guy that we're seeing presented here he brands people because he knows that that will cause them to be killed in jail he's got every line about how life is pretty much miserable you know my parents taught me to die i mean it's it's i i really like seeing that it was a proper dark night is that yeah this guy really wants to bring down the criminals and isn't going to take any other argument whatsoever yeah, and he kills as well, which is something yes. we don't really see Batman do. Apart from the Tim Burton version, he kills too. He doesn't make a point about it; he just does it. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, this one, he you know, you see him firing machine guns at people whose cars explode. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and um, there's that bit where he hits the guy with the box, or uh, and you see the blood trail as he falls down the wall and and throws a guy into a room with a live grenade. And just on that box bit, by the way, that was was that a deliberate reference to the um, computer games, by the way? Because if it was, I thought it was brilliant. Could be. Yeah, there was very much an Arkham Asylum 
or Arkham City or Arkham Knight vibe to to that sequence. Yeah, because you always want a bit of fan service, I think, and yeah. the, the, the sort of com, uh, group combat thing. I think that I thought that was right out of out of the Arkham games. Yeah, loved yeah, that. I, I mean, I like I loved that scene. I thought it was really fast paced, and I like how it was a a mixture of his stealth tactics and brutality at once. Absolutely, um, and that was yeah that that suits this Batman, and it and it just shows how well trained the guy is as well, and the fact that it takes a few hits. Yes, it shows that he's not this kind of invincible ninja. Mm. Well, I tell you one thing as well. You know that thing where sometimes you say, "Oh, this was a bit naff," but because I loved it so much, it didn't really make me feel bad. I got that from uh, when he takes a bullet to the back of the head, and he's, it's just his cowl or whatever the hell that's yeah. going to be made of. It protects him, and there's yeah. part of you that goes, "Yeah, no way," but because <laughs> you're loving that fight so much, it's like, "Nope, throw that part of." My brain out. Don't need that right now. Got cool stuff to watch. And I think that shows how good that was. Yeah. And all I was thinking at that point is he didn't press triangle in time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Didn't block in time. Broke his combo. What about the the, the connection into Alfred as well? Because... I actually quite liked their partnership. I know Jeremy Irons didn't really get to do much, but I I quite liked the, the... the, the two of them together, because Alfred was still fatherly in a sort of yeah. way, even yeah, though he was just, oh, my God, this guy's never going to have kids. I think <laughs> that was definitely something you could see a parent saying. Yeah. I liked Alfred, yeah. He had a lot of personality for, for not having much to do. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He wasn't given much to do, but I think he, uh, yeah, I, I did like him, and I think that Michael Caine's Alfred was a bit kind of teary and a bit older and... <laughs> Uh, whereas this one, you know, seems like seems like a bit uh, a match for for Bruce Wayne. Yeah, there's yeah he gives him he gives him tough love quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells him he tells it like it is. Whereas you see Alfred in the past sort of humouring him or just letting him go in this self destructive path that he wants to go down. But this this Alfred tries to pull him back, and I like that he's the cue to his James Bond as well. You know, he builds all the gadgets and yeah. and repairs all the stuff. And he was a snappy dresser too. Yeah, there's also even a scene where Bruce Wayne makes a cup of coffee for him, which I thought yeah. was quite funny. Yeah, that must be. I think it's likely to be closer to that sort of modern partnership where you don't yeah. really have a servant anymore because that would be just distasteful. Yeah. You do have the guy who's paid you. to help you. Yeah, a servant that also raises you. That's yeah. yeah how does that work? That's yeah. I'll raise you until a certain point, and then you can give me orders. Strange, yeah. but yeah, Alfred was good. Um, he didn't have much to do, but you know, he flies the drone to, uh, to the bat wing when it's a drone and um, helps him maintain all his gear and, and reminds him that Bruce Wayne, the Bruce Wayne persona, is useful. Um, well, I think as well, was it? I don't know if all, any Alfred stuff was added into the extended bit or not, but there's this important point I only noticed really when I watched it a second time round where Alfred's actually giving the audience the information on this isn't the normal Bruce Wayne. This guy has actually gone over the edge. You know, yeah. oh, we just noticed you've just started branding people. And this is a, something, he says something like there's a new kind of mean or uh, it, it, it just explains it. And I, so there's this, Alfred just seems to get these really key words in at the yeah. right point um, to, just to help push a few p- important plot points along. 
Yeah, it also helps tell us that Bruce Wayne is a bit less deluded than he might have been as a younger man uh, when he admits that they've always been criminals. Yeah. You know, what they do isn't kind of for the greater good. They are criminals, but they're they're acting above the law, above the system, and and he's okay with that. And, yeah, there's the implication that Batman or Bruce Wayne has changed through recent events. I mean, you see the Robin costume that's got stuff written on it, yeah. uh, presumably yeah. by the Joker, so... But I would imagine that event is what pushes him over the edge and thinks, screw this, I'm just going to kill my villains now. Mm. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Um, is there is there any rumours that that's going to be in a solo film, actually, that, yeah, apparently that, that Affle- Robin character? Yeah. Apparently Ben Affleck's directing a, a Batman solo film that may or may not be set in Arkham Asylum, so it may or may not happen there. All right. Um, but there's not much information on it as yet. Uh, they def- I think they definitely cast Ben Affleck in order to get his directing skills uh, more than his acting skills. Fair play, fair play. He also brings Oscar-winning writers with him and things like that, you know. Um, well, he seems to have surprised everybody and can't put a foot wrong now, and I hope that carries on, actually. Yeah, it's interesting that there was a lot of naysayers, and to be fair, I didn't much like the casting to, to begin with because I often find him a bit bland, but I find his blandness to be actually an asset in this film. <laughs> because you can, you can never tell what he's thinking or feeling, and that really works for Bruce Wayne. But for any other performance, it's like, what's he thinking? Well, yeah, and fact, is, yeah, as you've said, you've alluded to the fact that he's kind of broken, or he's you know yeah. flipped and and gone dark. And I suppose, yeah, this kind of um, unflinching, unfeeling Batfleck is uh, quite fitting <laughs> for that. Well, he has him. Um, he's essentially got bloodlust in this film. You know, he's he's seeing everything through a red mist. Yeah, um, he, thinks that, he thinks that Superman represents everything that he's against, and he has to get rid of this alien from from his life and from the planet's for the planet's safety. Yep. That changes yeah. as it goes on. Uh, yeah, that was one of the lot, one of the, the my favorite lines actually in it when he says something about um, no one stays good in this world because he yeah. it actually is an interesting counter I thought to other people coming up to him and going Superman's pretty good he's saved you know cats from trees he's saved from people burning buildings earthquake he's even is even there when the space rocket explodes and he says that you know he's done nothing but good how on earth can you possibly turn against this guy and he yeah. just counters it with yeah well i saw harvey dent i've seen uh, robin die and pretty much nobody stays good in this world it's actually yeah. a very believable argument maybe it needs mm-hmm. you to know a little bit about the canon but after so many previous films most people probably do mm-hmm yeah, there, there's less homework to do for Batman because I think the assumption is that everybody's seen the the Dark Knight trilogy and they fill in the gaps a little bit, I suppose. I mean, you see the Wayne murderer again for the, I don't know, for the fifth time in recent memory. So many times. Uncle yeah. Ben and the Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> but at least yeah. that was twisted as, as well. That's what I mean by every single point was turned towards this dark angle. I know we saw it again and we didn't need to because we know it. But yeah. this time it's clearly pointed out that um, his dad's a hothead who thinks he can beat the reaction speed of a guy with his finger on the trigger. And then the guy that does the shooting pretty much just executes his mother for no yeah. reason at all. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to do that. She has stopped moving. Mm-hmm. And it's just, no, this is how, how this world works. You're dead. Yeah. yeah. Plus, um, no detail is given about the reasons, you know, whether it is just a random mugging or whether there's something behind it. It's clear that Bruce Wayne doesn't know 
Mm-hmm. Well, he what just happened? says, I think the line where he says something like, my parents taught me a different lesson, dying in the gutter for no reason. Yes. It kind of implies to me that they've, they, he has actually looked into it and found out, nope, there was no yeah. greater meaning here. This isn't my origin story. This was just a dick with a gun. You know, <laughs> it's, that's just horrible, you know, in that sense. Yeah. And the, uh, I did like that the scene was entirely from Bruce's perspective, so it's pretty chaotic and, you know, everything's focused on, well, I mean, Zack Snyder loves his slow-mo and bouncing pearls are, yeah. are ideal for slow motion, but uh, it, it does look like he doesn't know what's going on or, you know, you're not supposed to fully know what's going on. It's just a random thing that that is defining yeah. him. Pretty brutal, though, as well. You know, yeah. the gun, gun to the face with the pearls pulling back on the, the hammer. It was, uh, yeah... Quite yeah. cool. But we saw it in we saw it in the uh, the Nolan films. We've seen it in Gotham. Uh, those that watch Gotham, anyway, uh, we've seen it in this. Probably a couple of animated films here and there. It's uh, yeah, it's well trodden ground. <laughs> but it does it does fit in to this film in some ways, um, or in a lot of ways, because uh, Bruce Wayne clearly has that in his mind all the time. Hmm. Yeah, done just enough. Done because sort of needed to do it, but didn't yeah. really spend too long on it. So, yeah, I was fine with it. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good-looking scene, and that was kind of enough for it. Um, and, yeah, it, it it gives you the indication that, that Bruce Wayne is, was sort of driven mad by that event at an early age, and it's helped inform yeah. the sort of person he is. Gives him the chance to fall into a hole, into a bat cave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I liked that the the mausoleum to his, you know, that his parents are uh, buried in is in severe disrepair. You know, he kind of mm-hmm. he doesn't let anyone else near it. But I thought that was, well, at least that's the the thought. It, only Alfred gets to go near it. Yeah, because presumably in his mansion he has a lot of staff um, that clean up for him and things like that, so they're not allowed near it. So Batman done well in this film, I think. Uh, I quite like the, yeah, I quite like the fact that he's at a stage where he just doesn't care anymore and he's going to kill people and and um, he almost rediscovers what he what he used to stand for as well. Aye, good Batman, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so that brings us naturally into Superman, which we've uh, covered slightly, but um, I, the extended edition does him better, but there's not a huge amount of him in this film in terms, you know, he's more of a. He's more of a thing that people talk about rather than having a lot to do on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's kind of a secondary player who, can, yeah. who shows up when necessary. It's more of yeah. a Batman movie. Yeah. And there is a lot of... I think there's a lot of Batman bias in DC. It seems to be the only the only property they can make any money out of, so they keep hammering it down. So anytime he shares screen time with anyone else, he gets the lion's share. Uh, that's just because you're a Batman hater, I think. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I, he's just not my favourite. But I think that the, the scales are definitely tipped in his favour in this film in terms of in terms of screen time, at least. See, on Superman, though, I think um, my most noticeable point from this film with him, though, was what I see as a almost a change of places between him and Captain America in, 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 in how they're being presented. I think I'm more used to Captain America being presented as a human trying to do good. And Superman is this clearly Superman 
much mm. far beyond what we are. But now in the Marvel films, you're seeing a, a Captain America who clearly didn't need to sign the Accords because he cannot put a foot wrong. And I completely agree that he did not need to sign those because he is just perfect. Whereas now you get, and, and then in, in uh, comparison to that, you're getting a Superman who is being presented as somebody who has to make very human decisions, who at the very start makes a mistake because he gets involved in politics he doesn't understand and yeah. then constantly throughout everybody's questioning him and he spends a lot of time considering that you know look camera shot of him looking into space and so on phoning his mum for help mm. i really like that at some point superman has to phone his mum because <laughs> it's just too complicated and difficult yeah. to deal with that's brilliant i i really enjoyed that, that that was needed you know because he just doesn't have the answers he, when it comes down to it, despite all this power, still has the same problem with ideology, with politics, and with how you're going to live your life that the rest of us do. Yeah, it's a great way of humanizing a character who, you know, is so overpowered and, yeah. uh, you know, has the potential to just be kind of, uh, well, he's an alien, so he could be alienated, but then, you know, we all need to be able to relate to the Man of Steel somehow. And as you say, he calls his mum for help <laughs> and then like seeks, <laughs> seeks his uh, dad's counsel up a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously that, that scene was meant to be, um, you know, you were meant to just go with the fact that he was talking to his, his father's memory rather than mm-hmm. anything physical. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and there's, you've got that added scene where you see him starting his climb up the mountain. Some guy says he's come here to die and I'm not sure that was needed. It kind of labours the point a little bit. Yeah, some pretty heavy-handed foreshadowing of yeah. what's to come. Although, I mean, from a you know, if you know what, obviously you know his powers. You know, he can hear everything. He's got yep. super hearing. So, going to the top of a mountain might be the only way he can be alone with his thoughts as well. You know, up there he might not be able to hear all the cries for help and and all the uncertainty that that I guess must be just weighing on him because he knows he can do something about it, but. Every time he does, someone someone has something to say about it. He also decides to walk up there rather than just flying up. <laughs> so he obviously wanted some time to himself just to yeah. just to go trekking. Yeah, clearly, you know, there's no there's nobody needs to save today. I'm just going to walk up a mountain. <laughs> You're probably right there, actually. If they'd have done a bit more about that, why did he need to go there? You know, because he. He needed that piece. That might have been better, actually, than some local dude offering him $20 to keep styling. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. That would have been a better a better couple of scenes if they'd have shown him just in utter silence and focused on it. Mm-hmm. There's also the, the, the... I found the Jonathan Kent part a bit ham-fisted as well, where he talks about, oh, yeah, we were trying to stop something terrible, but in doing that, we created something terrible, and it was this kind of... Uh, supposed to make a point about actions having consequences that you might not be able to see. Um, well, if you think that what you've just said, though, that he's talking to his own memory, it's possibly just supposed to be him thinking through that point that he'd previously just assigned in his mind to, I rescued Lois, mm-hmm. to something more important. Oh, that wasn't what was the real consequence of the action Lois was safe. The real consequence was, did some good, caused damage because it might just be the old shakespearean thing this is so long we really just need to remind the audience what we previously started out with so if you can remember it that is a bit ham-fisted but 
I don't know. It didn't offend me too much. It was on topic. Mm. Yeah, and I think it kind of it, it reinforces. You know, he might be an, a superpowered alien, but he was brought up by humans who he, you know, he's he's had these stories told to him. He's been imbued with their values, and so it's a kind of it sort of uh, uh, references that I think you know that he can he's thinking about it in human terms, or in he can relate to something that he, from his childhood that he's obviously heard from his dad. Yeah. Uh, I also find it it's. Um, I mean, anybody familiar with the previous Superman films knows that if you know if he was uncertain, he would go and speak to Jor-El, uh, mm-hmm. or at least in the the better cuts of, of them. Anyway, uh, so it's, it might be well known by some of the audience, at least, that you know when he's when he's uncertain, he goes and speaks to his Kryptonian dad. But there's a, a subversion of that when he speaks to his, speaks to his human dad, uh, which doesn't seem to happen that often. Oh, mostly because he's usually dead in camp, but. Yeah. You know, here it's kind of his, I guess, his imagination or mm-hmm. or something like that. That's a good way of bringing that human father back into it, especially yeah. because it's necessary to make the character much more human in this film. And and even the presentation of his father, not only does it fit the background better, but I found it quite welcome because I think I remember a little bit of things like Smallville and so on where the father figure is almost biblical in how correct he is he's this source of wisdom and it's it's almost like he is actually consulting a crystal uh image from another planet when he's consulting this human father but here when he consults his human father this character is not capable of saying well clark you need to think about this this and this he actually has to say in his own terms he has to describe a story this is how i encountered this Mm. and that is much more human how that people talk in in experience rather than just giving you a lecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much preferred it. To the, yeah. And to the also opposite. if, um, if Jor-El or the Jor-El AI was still around, that's all it is. It's an artificial intelligence. It's programmed to say, uh, you know, probably a finite number of things. So it may not be able to learn and, and give him advice the same way a real father would, but he'll probably remember Jonathan giving him advice um, more often. So you'll be able to draw on those memories and, and think about how that relates to the world he lives in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I would, I would, if that gave a several more um, <laughs> Kevin Costner flashbacks, that wouldn't turn me off, I think. I don't think. Yeah, the first film relied on them pretty heavily. Uh, and they were all more or less on topic, I think. So despite maybe you thinking he's not been on camera as much as, as Batman then, I think what he's given always worked for me. It always seemed to be relevant. It always seemed to be on this topic of him being human, of him having this choice, of him having to deal with politics and ideology. Yeah. Um, even when they bring in Ke- uh, the, the reporter aspect, Clark Kent himself, he's he's also still focused on that. Um, should people be doing this? Should Batman be doing that? I need to get involved, trying to find out what's good, questioning what somebody has been uh, what decisions somebody's has been making, which of course is more of in the extended edition, obviously. Yeah, uh, and definitely in the theatrical edition, I thought the reporter side was only there because they felt like it had to be there, rather than actually having any practical purpose. Uh, you know, so there was just a couple of scenes in the theatrical one of him sitting around in the Daily Planet, and that was yeah. about it. Uh, whereas you do see, get to see him do a bit of investigative stuff, but he's mostly looking into Batman at the time. Oh, but that's so crucial because. Yeah. 
the thing that bit was missing in the cinematic version for me was why on earth was Superman so angry at Batman? There's this hint that he slightly disapproves of what he's doing. But then when you actually get a reporter looking into it, yeah, this guy died. Um, this guy was beaten and it was all because of the decisions this vigilante has made. Mm. You can see someone who's desperately trying to be ideologically correct in Clark Kent being annoyed that that this bat figure has given up completely and has become so inhuman. It, it's, it just seems so important and and to the extent that I wonder why it was cut from the cinematic uh, cut at all, actually. Yeah, he does. He definitely doesn't get enough uh, development of his of his beef with Batman. And, and I, yeah, I agree with you there that the the investigations that you see him carrying out definitely kind of help build the case or his case against against Batman's actions. Yeah, I also wonder if um, since the end of the film obviously kills both off, kills off both personas. Uh, Superman will obviously be back, but will Clark Kent? Is there a place for him, though? That's the problem with this expansionism. There's already no place for Batman in the fight scenes. <laughs> and there's not going to be any place for human characters like Bruce or, or a reporter. I mean, arguably, Bruce has got so much cash and and technology available that he can still say, oh, I'll use my satellites to look at this. But mm. what is Clark Kent going to do? I'm going to go and take some pictures. Or I'll go around and ask questions about this alien <laughs> being. You know, he had tea with Mrs. Jones down the street. He must have done. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. There's no place for him. It just can't. Sure. Well, even yeah. that nobody reads the paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the um, Going back, the, the sort of Justice League cartoon that they did in the 90s that um, spun out of the 90s Batman and 90s Superman cartoons and expanded on them. Uh, what you would get is you would get people mostly in costume. So, you know, they would turn up to meetings and stuff as their superhero personas. But now and again, you'd see them in a civilian persona or, you know, you see Bruce Wayne sitting in the Batcave just in casual clothes, but you're still in the Batcave. Uh, I guess because the costume's not comfortable to wear all the time. Um, so I think Maybe Justice League could go that route. You know, you've still got these people have secret identities, but they're not part of that film. They're maybe only for their solo films. Yeah, because in in any other Justice League, there's, if if this is to go, uh, but if this film is to be an example, any other Justice film is just not going to have enough time to just have people sitting around. So I don't think they yeah. can go that way. Yeah, but obviously they can explain away Superman. You know, rise from the grave because he's an alien who heals really quickly. But if Clark Kent suddenly comes back, then how are they going to explain that one away? And, and well, did they actually explain how Clark Kent died? Yeah, they just say that he got like, crushed or something under rubble because he was invest. He was covering the battle or something like that. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. The, the, the article tells you. I can't remember the specifics, but it does say that. Um, so I guess no one questions it because they think, yeah, okay, he's a reporter, he would be around there, and uh, he got he was unlucky. Yeah, no fair play. That guy that looks a little bit like Superman died the same day as Superman. Yeah. <laughs> now we know his secret, but it's worthless because, you know, he's dead. And it didn't seem to be a big secret anyway. I mean, Lex Luthor rightly figured it out so easily. Because mm. mm-hmm. uh, it's not difficult. And... Yeah, he'd also figured out Batman's identity, which I suppose, if you look at the Batman Year One comic, you've got a Commissioner Gordon has narrowed down a list of 
it could only be these people based on how much money he clearly has. Yeah. That was done in the cartoon as well, wasn't it? That Ra's al Ghul works it out by following the money, I think. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's perfect, yeah, perfectly reasonable. Lex is supposed to be smart. I think they showed that he was supposed to be clever in this. I mean, he was a total whack job, but yeah. still <laughs> still clever. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's fairly easy to think, um, okay, this guy drives around in a clearly custom-built car. He owns a plane that he also flies around, um, has all these gadgets and, and whatever else. So... Yeah, this armor, this custom armor, it could only be, you know, so many people in this city. Yeah. Also, which billionaire seems like kind of an ass? Yeah. You know, so because he doesn't really hide the his his true self really in the same way that say in the cartoon he did, you know, where Bruce Wayne would act a bit kind of more dim-witted or or whatever. Yeah. And the Christian Bale version did that as well. He just acted like a rich guy who didn't care about anything that was going on. Um, yeah, it's perfectly good disguise. Yeah, Ben Affleck doesn't. Um, certainly not in the scenes that you see. You know, when Clark Kent ambushes him to ask him questions about Batman, he has an opinion rather than being like, oh, I don't care. Oh, he did, does that a little bit, though, because he's quite sort of misogynistic and um, and dismissive of things yeah. important. So he does do it a little bit, but yeah, yeah it's not as strong. Acting yeah. the playboy a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but then as soon as... Um, as soon as Clark Kent insults him, he, you know, he comes to his own defence. But he's so angry. I think that's important that the anger comes before the playboy because we need to see that as part of the build-up to the fight, you know. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I think in terms of the way Superman's powers were presented in this film, I thought, um, I mean, I thought they all looked great and they all looked, they looked really unsafe to be around uh, in the same way that they did in Man of Steel. You know, even when he takes off, it sounds really harsh. Um, his heat vision is insanely um, destructive. Yes, and um, I like the um, I like the montage of him saving a bunch of people in, in fairly, I don't know, I suppose modest saves, um, other than the exploding rocket ship. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I, I really like the Mexico scene actually, where they 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 make the, the Jesus comparison so very yeah. clear, of course. But despite that, I. I liked all little parts of it. I like the fact that it was in the dark. Yeah. So even though he's a saviour, it's still a bit grim. And uh, yeah. and the look on his face is, is almost a bit confusion. It's like, oh, I don't know if I really should be taking on the role of a religious yeah. character here, but I can't really take off yet because I'll kill you all. So yeah. just have to get through it. Yeah, Maybe the if scenes were all very iconic, I thought. And I think that's yeah. kind of Zack Snyder's uh, sort of forte, isn't it? Sort of presenting oh, these sorry. images. Yeah. We know how to frame a shot, yeah. Yeah, and the and the music I think helped as well because it was yeah. you know heroic but kind of ominous as well. Yeah. Yes, quite like that. Yeah, it's um, although maybe if Superman doesn't want to seem godlike, he should stop hovering exactly in front of the sun, so that he appears as a kind of godly silhouette to the people. <laughs> that poor woman on the roof just seeing this silhouette with a cape. <laughs> yeah. He slowly descends. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where the physics of the universe takes over, though, because right at the very end, when the bits of piping and metal girders from uprooted buildings form crucifixes around his dead body, you know, <laughs> it's clearly in the physics of the entire universe. He can't get away from that. It's really yeah. not his fault. <laughs> yeah, and Superman as Jesus is not uh, is not new either. Um, the, it's been a comparison made so many times. The fact that he resurrects 
is one thing. Yeah. Superman Returns, the Brandon Routh film, that does um, quite a lot of the Jesus Saviour imagery thing. Um, and the Christopher Reeves ones to an extent, um, but not not quite as bad. I guess because he's quite a, a street level hero in a lot of ways in, th- in those films. You know, he, he stops to talk yeah. to people and he's quite mm-hmm. personable and he tells jokes and things like that. I didn't mind it seeing that sort of comparison there. I mean, I'm, I have the advantage of never having seen it in so many other media before. So to me, it's not so old, but it, 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 it works well with the fact that he's facing human decisions, but he's being raised up on a pedestal by everybody else around him. It, yeah. it adds to that conflict that he's got to deal with. You almost want it to be a bit Monty Python. Yeah, I'm not, I am not the Messiah. Leave me alone. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it worked. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, the characterization of him kind of having this, this God imagery thrust upon him and he can't shake it and he maybe wants to. You know, there is that genuine desire to help rather than um, rather than want to stand for something as such, or have or monuments just, built to him. Yeah, random statue. Yeah, in the middle of the city. So yeah, he's yeah he's a monolithic figure, but doesn't want to be a monolithic figure. I think that's I think that's essentially his character. Our main villain here, Lex Luthor, couldn't stand him. I thought he was. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> um, I I didn't mind him too. Butch, well, I didn't. I didn't want to despise him too much, but yeah, I'm probably going to have to agree that he was. <laughs> there's very few points I'm going to pick out and say I I loved. <laughs> yeah. 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 Being too nice. Yeah, he was rubbish. I don't think I liked him the first time around, but I, I might almost just be looping back around to liking him just to be <laughs> contrary. Oh, do it. No, do it. Let's hear the positives. Because I'm actually thinking now, if I've made this statement, can I actually back it up? And I'm looking at my notes and thinking, no, you can't. You know, he what? yeah, there was a lot of kind of annoying uh, sort of character beats, but at least he was going for it you know he was he was definitely a defined yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just this middle of the road he, he definitely wasn't imitating anyone else no uh, definitely and he, not <laughs> and, he, and he was this kind of mad mark zuckerberg <laughs> sort of <laughs> internet billionaire type that i don't know if it particularly works in this universe or in this film but you know I, I, as i've said i was trying to see some positives and i you know i, I yeah, he's he's maybe acting in a different film from everyone else, but I think you know yeah. he, I think he does a good job. Uh, I think he's totally um, destroyed by the role he needs to play. Actually, because all the way through, I was looking at uh, why why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You <laughs> pretend it's about your father, but that's really just a mess up the senator. And yeah. you pretend it's all about you've got the same motivations as as Bruce Wayne does, you know, oh, we need to protect our planet. But that's also clearly a lie. And then you get halfway through some of his speeches and then certainly towards the end, you realize, oh, it's a connection to the Jesus plot. You're a religious nutter. You're actually <laughs> at one point he's actually worshipping the alien being, even though he's in a bit of a mm. Buddha-like state. He's yeah. clearly... Uh, he's clearly religious and actually i hated that i think you're right he was in the wrong film but he was hamstrung by the fact that he had to bring more religion into this which is just on reflection and there's the yeah there's the mention of him 
you know, whatever happened to his father and, and all this stuff. And, and it seems like he blames God, in inverted commas, for that. And he sees Superman as that God and it's something that he can rail against. Uh, there's definitely the, the resentment. You know, Lex Luthor has always kind of, or often been portrayed as someone who resents Superman because he can effortlessly do everything that, that Lex could never dream of doing. Um, and there is an element of resentment there. And, and he kind of can't believe the fact that someone so powerful could use that power for good as well. I, I think I think I get that. I think I, 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 I won't refute your argument, but still it seems to be that even despite that, would that character then start worshipping the devil character that almost is this alien being that he keeps yeah. talking about? You know, is, is that still not a stretch too far? I hate this person for being so powerful, so I'll immediately sacrifice goats to the devil and turn to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the material would have been different with a different performance or a different actor playing that character. I wonder if it would have been stronger had the performance been more subdued and attempted to be sinister. Yeah, well, do you think? Do you think he kind of came to the came to set and came to filming with this idea of Lex Luthor sort of worked out in his head and presented it as his own creation, or do you think he yeah. was? Do you think he was kind of uh, hamstrung by the material? I mean, Eisenberg often plays he often plays certain types of characters, and you know, people might think of him as the Martin Zuckerberg type, the kind of eccentric genius kind of. Mm-hmm. Character trait. I mean, he's done other things as well, but if you look at like Now You See Me in its sequel, he's that character as well, or at least those kind of mannerisms. So maybe that's what they wanted from him. But it's interesting that there's a bit of last minute changing going on as well. Um, Because when he was first cast, it was as Lex Luthor, and people complained. And then suddenly there was lines in the film about, uh, well, it's my father's company. He was the Lex in front of the corp. And you know, it's, it feels like a bit of a last-minute addition to be like, oh, don't worry, this the, the, his dad's the real Lex Luthor. <laughs> right. If you don't like him, we'll, we'll reveal that this guy's dad wasn't dead all along, so uh, he'll be back. Yeah. You'll get that as Brian Cranston in the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the scene where he's at the library opening thing and he's giving a speech he's having a nervous breakdown <laughs> while delivering the speech oh uh, uh, yeah I wasn't sure what was going on there it was yeah that's it was dangerous it was dangerously treading the lines of Big Bang Theory I think there actually by saying that oh look people who are slightly autistic are actually really stupid and we're so much yeah. better than them I, 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 yeah it did bother me slightly actually I kind of wanted to believe that he could play the part in the public you know, he was this yeah. mad genius and private, but for right. the public, he was a humanitarian who was really intelligent and well-spoken or something. I think that might have been a bit more redeemable if, if the whenever he gave a public appearance, he was very kind of likable. Yeah, yeah, or or was able to kind of turn his eccentricities into sort of a lovable, uh, you know, sort of charitable, or, you know, that would at least be the sort of uh, facade that he was taking on and people think oh you know he's a bit he's a bit funny but you know he does so much good does so much charitable work but behind the scenes like you say he could be scheming away and turning his yeah. madness into you know everything that he was doing in public yeah. his it probably would have fitted too as well with the fact that he was clearly so clever manipulative and yeah. strategic given the number of people he manages to trick across so many different continents 
you know, he is clearly a, a genius. Yeah. So having uh, the ability to control people is almost necessary a skill to be able to pull all that off. And then, and then you're right. To, to, if he'd have had a bit more of a suave exterior in public, you would have believed that this person had that personal cleverness. Yeah. Mm. And there's, I think um, his plan has the standard mad villain prob- plan problem in, in these Absolutely. sorts of films of being far too complicated. I mean, I'm, I was trying to follow it when I was watching it, and I was like, hang on, how many coincidences need to happen to make sure this thing that you want to happen happens? Well, <laughs> do you know, I actually, I was actually okay with most of it right up until the 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 backup plan because before the backup plan he's he could actually see that he's just got money and power and influence you know he can get people anywhere even the checks that are being returned to uh, wayne found uh, the wayne foundation you can believe that at the last minute he bribed the secretary just to go and scribble on all of them yeah you know but then it comes to the backup plan. Well, I just in case Bruce didn't work, I've got this secondary plan to create a genetically powerful killing machine. Yeah. It's like yeah. all of the secret planning, all of that manipulation, all of that cross-continent politicking. I'm just going to ditch that in favor of utter brute force. It's like, what? Where does that come from? Yeah, and he was also completely in over his head with Doomsday as well, because the first thing Doomsday tries to do is kill him. Yeah. as soon as he hatches but yeah, um, think, so uh, what was he going to do if Superman is that died? just another <laughs> is that just another indication of just how unraveled he is is that he thinks he can uh, you know he's got all these other machinations going on and then he thinks right I'm just going to slip into this primordial ooze and create some crazy monstrous life and it just expect to be able to control it as well I don't I agree that I don't really like the I don't really like that development of his of his plan if it was a plan but uh I, i'm just going to try and explain it away as him just being mental <laughs> you've got the only explanation that works there is there is yeah. nothing else yeah he just <laughs> lost it yeah absolutely yeah and plus he'd studied all the kryptonian information anyway before mm-hmm. that point so surely there must have been historical evidence of the fact that people that did that in the past it didn't work out so well for them Again, just too mad to, to listen yeah. to. Just too mad <laughs> yeah. to care, absolutely, yeah. The voice of the devil was in his head, and that's all he cared about. Yeah. 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 Um, who would just, uh, just fill, fill me in on something, actually. that um, The creature that he's praying to at the end, I mm-hmm. assume that's going to be a future villain. Uh, apparently going to be the villain in um, Justice League Part 1. Right. Uh, it's a villain called Slipknot. Uh, is it sl- <laughs> no, it's not Slipknot, sorry. It's uh, Steppenwolf. Uh, I knew it was some I knew it was some rockish band. <laughs> Slip Slipknot's the uh, the guy, spoiler alert, who dies after having two lines in Suicide Squad. He's not going right, to be okay. the villain of the Justice League. <laughs> um yeah, he's I guess he's he's powerful enough, but he's not dark side powerful. Dark side being a, a villain in his own right. He's a bit like Thanos actually, the, in Marvel Canon. So the Justice League and the Avengers will be fighting similar villains at the same at similar times. Yeah, that's not going to go down well in the critics. <laughs> no, no, but um, yeah, Darkseid's a mad dictator uh, who runs his own planet called Apocalypse, um, and that's what the the Batman dream sequence is all about, with the Omega symbol etched into the the ruined ground and so on. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, uh, which indicates that it isn't quite a dream. 
Yes, yes. It is a vision of some sort. Um, but yeah, that's obviously that's not in the theatrical cut either. But yeah, it's just two seconds, and arguably it doesn't need to be in the um, in the extended edition either. No, no. Because you know you still get the idea that he studied uh, Kryptonian files uh, and knows what's out there now. So I think that's fine. But yeah, his his plan is fairly mad. Completely mad. <laughs> no, I stand by it. The early stuff I think was fine. I think where they keep it human, then it was fine. And he was just being supremely clever with infinite money and infinite influence. Yeah. I was happy. I, I wasn't too worried by that. It's a weird idea. I mean, obviously he correctly predicts that Superman will turn up when Lois Lane's in danger, but surely he's keeping as much of an eye on his own mother. I mean, I wouldn't believe he'd be that short sighted, you know, to ignore that. Uh, no. Yeah. But plot needs it to, yeah. to get to where it needs it to the end. It's that old problem that I hate. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. The plot needs you to be looking the other way. So you are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's clever enough. I'm going to throw Lois Lane off a building cause I know you'll be there as soon as I do. Arguably, he should have been there when his mother was being kidnapped as well. Yeah. Well, I think um, how it should have ended um, covered that pretty pretty well, actually. Um, he, he also gets all the kind of trailer-worthy lines, which I think should only really have been included for a trailer and then just cut immediately <laughs> from the film. Like yeah. Clark Kent. Bruce Wayne, you know, it's it's all, it's clearly in there for the trailer. It doesn't really yeah. need to be in the film. And then, you know, shaking Clark Kent's hand, don't pick a fight with this man. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's all so, like shoehorned in and just, I mean, in, in, in the trailer you can think, yeah, well, this is kind of building people up thinking, oh, yeah, they're finally meeting, they're going to fight, they're going to do all this. But then when you're watching the film, you're just like, oh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's, it when he, um, it's when he hits Clark on the chest as well. And it makes that loud thud. <laughs> Yeah. I can't remember if that was in the theatrical cut or not, but I really noticed it in the extended one. And I was like, mm-hmm. "All right, okay, we we know that he's super strong." <laughs> uh, yeah, just a bit too cheesy, I think. Yeah, and obviously that scene was supposed to indicate, "Oh, Lex knows who both of these people are," but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it didn't need to be done that way. I don't think. Yeah, um, it actually makes more sense when you say it that way because. If you take that as um, foreshadowing of his understanding of who they are and what his plan is, mm. then he is actually having a really horrible joke with himself. And that, yes. all of that actually makes sense. Yeah. But you don't know that at the time. Therefore, yeah. it doesn't make sense. That's actually a shame. If you were aware of his plot, all of a sudden, that's just grim and horrible. I'm going to make you fight. Hey, you know, that's, that, yeah. that would have been better, actually. Yeah, it's also a bit strange that, that Clark's not in any way suspicious in that scene because, uh, fair enough, Lex Luthor knows who Bruce Wayne is, but why would he know who Clark Kent is? I mean, otherwise... <laughs> well, yeah, and, and Clark Kent has to ask who Bruce Wayne is, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he doesn't know who this bazillionaire is, but <laughs> a, some other guy, some other bazillionaire knows who Clark Kent is. It's just very... I mean, a guy whose secret identity is all about people not noticing him. Um, yeah, it's a tip-off right there. He knows doesn't, that point know, on. <laughs> doesn't react that anybody notices him. You know. Yeah. I do like when he's hearing the chat between Bruce and Alfred, though, and that's how 
Clark finds out that, that Batman is Superman. Batman is in Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this whole thing's been about <laughs> yeah I, I do like the the way that he finds out it's much better than them double booking a cruise ship uh, like in the, the world's finest comics <laughs> I remember that where they get changed in the dark and then you know, <laughs> a light comes on and yeah. they're both sort of mid-change and it's like oh my, my god you're Superman you're back <laughs> we do almost like to see that you know they slink off at the party and decide to and, and get changed <laughs> and they happen to go into the same broom closet it wouldn't have fit really but it amused me and someone else shows up at that party yes she does wonder woman or diana prince as she's probably never never referred to actually or also known as, we need to get a woman in this film quick. Let's pick a character um, and give her a ridiculous motivation that's totally irrelevant. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is a big deal because they've, they've been trying to get a Wonder Woman film off the ground for for so, so long. Yeah, but that's a rubbish reason to bring her into Batman and Superman. Yeah, when she's trying to get hold of a photograph. Uh, yeah, that, like, that's, that's just rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If she's got all that much power and resource to her, then she doesn't need to worry about getting this photograph back because she should be able to just do it. And if she doesn't have that much resource, then there's probably more than just one photograph of her anyway. And so she looks like somebody in an old picture. Is that really that devastating? Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing good about that at all. Yeah. And her plan was to nick Batman or nick Bruce Wayne's drive that he'd like stolen the information on, but then she didn't have the ability to unencrypted so. yeah. and even worse the bit that really narks me is when she takes his drive purposely hangs out outside the room that uh, Bruce Wayne has snuck into and specifically waits for him to turn round to look at her before she runs away now I admit she has the magical power to get to her car before she can uh, be caught by him but she does like to tease and you think yeah. there is no reason to do that other than to show off your hips that's the <laughs> only reason to do that other than to show off to the audience that she's someone that you should pay attention to as well yeah. because if you look at someone that's just watching these films and they've never seen anything else you don't know right away that she's wonder woman you don't know yeah. anything about her really and it's just because they revealed that gal gadot will be playing wonder woman in these yes. films uh, beforehand, that well, as soon as you see her, it's like, oh, there's Wonder Woman, <laughs> um, and it's similar to the way they did Black Widow in Iron Man Two in some ways. Uh, you know, when she turns up, she's uh, undercover, yeah. uh, but everybody or everybody that's read a movie site in the past six months knows who she is, and they're just waiting for the characters to catch up with them. But they don't really do anything fun with the the mystery of who she is either. No, even at the end when she is introduced and she's in costume, um, it it really feels like a total overcompensation because she's just even better at fighting um, Abomination than either of the other two put together. You know, she can survive any hit without any problem whatsoever. She can cut cars in half with her sword. She's Mm. the only one who can really damage Abomination, whereas the other just kind of playing around. And it, it just feels Abominations, like, the Hulks. Villain. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they are, <laughs> very, they are very similar. Yeah, they do um, look pretty similar. Cave Troll. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it, is, it's, it is just, it does feel like her whole character is thrown in. Nothing really 
important to do. And then at the end, she's the ass-kicking, super-powered, over-the-top, I'm better than every man can be. It, it, it's just that I don't find her a good female character at all. In, and not because the actor's not capable, not because there's nothing for the character from her backstory to be. I just think the writing for her was awful. A better character was Senator Finch. She was written much better, but maybe that was uh, easier to do because they didn't have to get Senator Finch to beat somebody up. So no requirements to work around. And the film does rely on you knowing who Wonder Woman is, I think, Mm -hmm. Uh, because it doesn't really tell you. It tells you she's insanely old and then she just turns up in full gear towards the end. But yeah, how do you get weird. around the problem of her name, though? I, Superman is difficult enough. What is this person's name? He is Superman, you know. Yeah. And then you turn around and, and you have to introduce, who are you? I am Wonder Woman. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's such a 60s name. There's well, just her, no hope for it. Her solo you know? film set, I think, mostly during World War One, So it could be an affectionate soldier name for her in that I era. could see that. That yeah. works because it has that setting. But now, honestly, she must be embarrassed of that name. Yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe one of the more jovial characters in Justice League will ask her, so what did they call you back in the day? And she'll say Wonder Woman. And then, you know, maybe the Flash or someone just keeps bringing it up because yeah. it's funny. Yeah, maybe. Um, and I think that could work. And then she has to, she's stuck with it because she has to be stuck with it, you know, rather than yeah. wanting to be stuck with it. Yeah, as soon as it goes on a newspaper headline, you yeah. you you have to deal with it. Yeah, fine. Yeah, so, but yeah, they don't refer to her by name in these in this film. But Bruce Wayne spends the whole time following her around. Um, but yeah, because she wants that photograph that Lex Luthor only has one copy of, and it happens to be on his <laughs> that server in that building. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, you know, he Honestly, doesn't. She should just say, "That's my grandma" or something. That and yeah. problem solved. Yeah. Why is she wearing uh, medieval? Uh, gear with a sword and shield it's like she was a bit crazy I don't know. <laughs> that's actually a bigger question that's just immediately says this is a fake photograph this is just somebody doing a, a fancy dress party with really bad taste you know? yeah. yeah some sepia toned photoshopping yeah. <laughs> yeah her whole reason for being there is problematic i don't think that they needed well i think it's fine to have her in this film because it introduces wonder woman which is something that's not been done uh, in live action the closest is in the Lego movie. That was the first cinematic <laughs> appearance of Wonder Woman, which is depressing when you think about it. Uh, not that the Lego movie's bad, it's just that that's the first time you ever see her on the big screen. Um, so that, yeah, I'd agree. There's no problem having her in it, but yeah. how, how... You need a reason for her to be there. Yeah. yeah, she just shows up and it's very strange. But I do enjoy how much she seems to be having fun when she's battling Doomsday. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah there's the impression that she's... It. There's the impression that she's not done this in a while and she's kind of yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. But agreed, she just kind of shows up out of the blue, which is very odd. Yeah, is in a handful of scenes, then turns up fully formed in gear and, and joins in the fight. Um, I don't know how they would have fixed that. I don't know what role Wonder Woman would have had in this film. Maybe, um, well, I mean, Lex Luthor was clearly investigating her, so she could be reciprocating by investigating him to find out why he's so interested in her. That's, that would be one way to do it. Yeah. I'm struggling now, I have to admit. Yeah. I mean, at least with Black Widow in Iron Man 2, she was a spy whose job it was to keep an eye on Tony Stark. Yeah. But she has no connection to the main plot. The main plot is Bruce Wayne has reason to hate Superman and Clark Kent has reason to hate Batman. Yeah. 
that that is the film and then they stick uh, the cave troll in at the end oh and we need somebody powerful to fight the cave troll so she is part of the add-on afterthought yeah. no connection to the important stuff at all so yeah. i don't know how you fit that in it's also a perfect mirror it is two people coming together for a fight big disagreement there doesn't seem to be any way of putting a third person into that unless you have confusing three-way arguments, but that would be a <laughs> nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure which version of this of, of Wonder Woman's story would, would work in this, this film. I mean, I get that they wanted to introduce her now uh, for their own reasons, but beyond that, I'm not sure. And that is a bad reason, if that's the only reason. In the yeah. same way as as seeing the other Justice League, if that's yeah. the only reason to bring them yeah. in, then it's not yeah. a good reason. I mean, it's quickie world building, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. Just, yeah, it's purely monetary. You know, pump out the next yeah. uh, wave in the series of movies. I think. Yeah. Although, to be fair, Wonder Woman was one of the few things that even people that hated the film kind of uh, latched onto and said was, you know, reluctantly said was done very well in terms of just how she came across and, and how much it made them look forward to her solo film. And I think, yeah, the, the sort of physicality of that character is done really well. Uh, when she just turns up and starts fighting, that's, you know, you can tell that she's powerful and well-trained. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I can't deny that the, the character itself um, had some value and was as reasonably well presented, but I, I just think that that is entirely undermined by you're here looking cool for no reason. Yeah. You're getting involved for no reason. We yeah. only need you here to fight the cave troll because it looks cool. Yeah. I think um, it maybe offers potential, but in this film, still rubbish. Yeah, and there's this sort of there's a suggestion of a tragedy to her backstory that obviously we won't see until her solo film. But mm-hmm. she talks about walking away from mankind a hundred years ago. Uh, you don't find out why, but she does it. Um, and these events have caused her to come back out of hiding again for reasons that they don't tell you why why now and why not why not during Man of Steel for instance yeah it's not even teased so yeah. there's no again nothing really there to latch on to yeah but the the idea of yeah by the end of the film Bruce Wayne says I want to form a team and you're going to be on it and she's like yeah cool I'll be on this team <laughs> and I guess, yeah, Bruce Wayne needs someone to talk to while he's going around uh, recruiting. So she'll fill that role, I think. Yeah, which is, again, just, I need someone to chat to. Sounds a bit weak, but... Yeah. I mean, I imagine her solo film will will flesh her out so much more, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with that, because she does have quite an interesting backstory, and, you know, there's... uh, She's the daughter of Zeus and all this kind of stuff. Um. So they'll have to introduce Zeus as some kind of being of some sort in this universe, which will fit in, I think. You know, he'll just be, he'll probably just be an alien or something. Uh, yeah, it needs to be an alien, I think, if they go into magic and divinity. Although, saying that, they have They've introduced already had magic, religion. Yeah. 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 Well, they already had magic and Suicide Squad, so. Oh, yeah, I suppose it's so. All to, it's all to play for. But I think it'll be, um, I don't know, it'll be quite Shakespearean, I suppose, in some ways. If they do it properly, um, I'm interested to see the reactions to the trailer that I haven't watched have been positive. Uh, she doesn't do anything in this film, and she's just kind of there. And if you don't know who she is, then 
the film doesn't tell you either. No. Doesn't her music tell you? Who's that? <laughs> Speaking of not knowing who she is. Oh, yeah. Okay. We have a random fourth member on the podcast now. Is your name Wonder Woman? <laughs> Just turned up at the end for no reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are they talking about? I was like, Zeus, really? She looks Zeus like she's enjoying father? it, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, her music, yeah, her theme song is, is really good. Yeah, I thought she was cool, and she makes a really cool Converse name as well. Really cool Converse? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Branded shoe opportunities. Something else for me to put in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> we aren't being sponsored by Converse, are we? Uh, maybe now. <laughs> maybe now, yeah. yeah. They've name dropped them. Yeah, they're so comfortable, and they last forever. Oh, there we go. Uh, Just what you need to fight Doomsday in. <laughs> <laughs> A long day of fighting cave trolls. Mm. For those who haven't listened to the podcast before, this is Natalie. She's joined us randomly. <laughs> Intruding. Yeah. Um, well, I thought would... I'd make like a, a guest appearance, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a summary. Batman, yeah, we liked him. Superman, yeah, we liked him. Lex Luthor, utterly rubbish. Wonder Woman, no reason to be in there at all, but we sort of like what she did. I, I think she's cool. I don't know why they didn't just focus on her more. Superman. Yeah, but come on, that's <laughs> And up next is uh, other characters in the film, and we've already talked about Lois Lane, but I'd lump her under this. So I don't know why she's in this film. She's Genuine. so annoying. She's a uh, she's superfluous, com- almost completely. She doesn't share that many scenes with um, with Henry Cavill. And that should Other be than naked bathtub. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. Yeah. She's. I think she's just in it for that. To be honest. <laughs> Well, she's sort of in it because she's contracted to do however many of these films and then they decided to do to bring Batman in after Man of Steel had already been finished instead of do a sequel, so she has to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought she was weird. Mm, I agree with Craig. She doesn't really need to be in it. No. And she didn't no. look that upset when that journalist gets shot in the head either, and I was like, she's in on it. She's in on it. <laughs> <laughs> She's professional, you see. Yeah, it's all part of the job. <laughs> see, pre- see journalists getting killed all the time. Photo journalists getting killed all the time. It's pretty awful, eh? Like I don't know. Gus was watching it last night. I was I pretended to watch it for about eight minutes, and then decided that I could not bring myself to do it again. And that scene was on in the background, and it's brutal. It's so brutal. What was the rating of the movie? Like, what age was it? Uh, we, I think it was the standard 12A at cinema That's release. That's outrageous. That's honestly outrageous. Like, is it because, I don't know if anyone's mentioned this, but are we maybe okay with that being in a 12A movie because it's in the news all the time? Or are we just honestly at a level where we think that that's okay for kids to watch? Because the, I was, extended, the extended edition is R-rated, so... It's like, it's just violence that we were watching. Yeah. Maybe it's because we watched the extended version or something. But I don't know. I just think it's like, it's so brutal to have in a, in a movie aimed at a younger audience. Because we don't need to see the reintroduction of like Batman. We don't need to see their origins. We've seen it so many other times. Are they looking for a new audience or, or what? I think they're looking for an audience at this point. Just anyone. Just anyone watch this, please. <laughs> yeah. The the darkness and the background though that the 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 
grittiness and quite frankly real nastiness though surely the whole franchise says not for young children it wasn't just that one yeah. scene it, the mm. whole thing is is pretty grim I, mean, I like that but i think it is pretty dark but i don't know i think that they need to just make it a 15 or something and then they can have it as they want but well suicide squad was and i think it's aimed at an older audience as well it's maybe in the title yeah that's <laughs> a, that's a, but that's a for all ages sort of film as well what Suicide Squad? Well, it's funny. It's got a weird kind of marketing campaign that's all very colourful and comedic, but then there's a lot of violence and, uh, you know, I think content that's more suited to adults in that film. How many kids have got Batman pajamas? You know, <laughs> that's quite oh. a different Batman, though. To be fair, yeah. You bet. Kids don't know that. Kids True. don't know that that's a different Batman. They're going to be like, oh my god, I want to see Batman. Look yeah, at Batman. Uh, oh my god. I think as a family film, this is probably one that, I mean, not I'm not a parent myself, so I don't know. But I would imagine that parents would be more reluctant to show their their kids this than, say, Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because, you know, because it is quite grim and it is quite Yeah, you'd be surprised if parents try and take their kids in to watch the cinema. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. On a lighter note, how cool was the bit where uh, was it Superman that goes into the pool to go rescue what's her face? Oh yes. I really liked that scene, only because it harks back at Hercules. <laughs> it harks back at Hercules. What? Like you know when Her- do you know when Hercules like Hercules has to go into um the it's- underworld to go rescue Meg, and he has to like go into the pool. Is this and a Disney Disney's film that I haven't seen? Talking about Disney's Hercules. Well, I'm talking about Disney's Hercules. But <laughs> right, so I've not seen that. Fair enough. Okay. Well, anyway, there's a scene in it where um, Hercules realizes that he loves Meg, and he has to go into this pool in the underworld um, and go and try and save her. Um, but he only has a certain amount of time because he's rapidly aging, and he has to get her out before they both perish and become souls lost forever in this pool of water. And I found that scene where um, Superman goes in, even though it's all kryptonic. <laughs> kryptonic? Can I use that word? Um, and, he sure. and, and he has to go and like, rescue her. And I just remember watching it and being like, oh my God, this is like in Hercules. It's Not to be scene. flippant, but the phrase harks back makes me think that that you're saying there's supposed to be a connection to Disney's Hercules <laughs> in this. I don't think that was intentional. You don't think it was now that we know that Wonder Woman's all Zeusy and stuff. Hercules. Oh, very clever. All right, now I'm going to give you yeah, that Yeah, yeah, and also yeah, because I've spoken to Gus about this before. Because when we saw it, but yeah, Superman is like a demigod, right? Well, kind of. Functionally, yeah. Yeah, you know, and he's got that super strength that Hercules has. We're basically just watching Hercules. That's Unfortunately, like this that. is also making a disturbing amount of sense, and that's kind of freaking yes! me out a bit. And here's, a, here's a very radical <laughs> interpretation. <laughs> I would never have gone there. Yeah, yeah, good. Can't, can't say it occurred to me at the time. I think at the time, certainly in the cinema, I was thinking, "Oh, this is still on." <laughs> I guess another secondary character would be Martha Kent. I mean, she's important to the story, but she's also in the film for a couple of Who's scenes. That? Superman. Oh, right. I think we did cover her as well already. I quite, I'm, just that bit where Superman has to phone his mum. I think that's yeah. I think that's brilliant. I think if she's not in it for too much, but it makes him human. 
I also like does. the scene. Good where, reason to be there. I also like the scene where he does turn up in you know full costume and they're they're standing in the cornfield with the whole universe in front of them because mm. you know it's a nice shot and uh, and he she gives him the advice to you know you can be the you can be everything that people want you to be or you can not do it at all. It's up to you. And helping him realize that he doesn't have to use his powers to do anything. He can just live his own life. But then. He's got a conscience, though. Well, that's what he's wrestling with, yeah. But the the idea that his mum tells him, you don't have to do this. But could you honestly, like, if you had a superpower and you were Superman, could you, like, could you just listen to somebody dying and then be like, oh, I'm not going to bother about that? I don't don't know how selfish I would become if I had his powers. I honestly don't. I don't know how, how much for personal gain I would use them. I have to be honest, my favourite Superman is in like number three when he goes like mental. That's my favourite Superman. Here's a question. Yeah. At the end, when uh, Lex was showing Superman the Polaroids of his of his <laughs> mum and she had witch written on her forehead. What? The next, I don't remember that. The next time that you see her, someone had wiped that off for her. So I thought that the hostage <laughs> takers were quite nice to have, you know, <laughs> scrubbed her up. <laughs> When did he do that? Maybe, maybe it was like, um, maybe right. it was just ink that washed off because she was sweating so much. Maybe, but she, you know, she she looked oh for a hostage. She looked quite presentable when they were kind of holding <laughs> in that warehouse. Is that an well, extended one where they write witch in her head? Because I don't remember that at all. No, it's, it's, in, the, in, the, it's in the photographs. Really? Yeah. yeah, he's he's telling Superman how the mother of a demon must be a witch. Oh, he's yes. not a demon. <laughs> oh. He is, according to Lex Luthor. What other what other side characters were in this film? I, get, I think there was actually a kind of small amount of non main characters, I suppose. Perry White. Perry White, yeah, who's you know Lawrence Fishburne decided he was in some kind of screwball nineteen <laughs> thirties uh, journalism comedy. Yeah, he's very strange at every every opportunity. It's when he just randomly walks up to people and tells them what they're working on today, you know. He also has the worst ideas for newspaper headlines. <laughs> <laughs> is he not supposed to have that, though? Is that not, like, part of who he is? Maybe. Know, he's supposed to be a legend in the industry. So, mm. uh, yeah, but the, the headline... Like, well-dressed, like Alfred. Maybe just, like, Superman, they're losing their touch. There's that um, There's that headline at the end that desperately needs a comma. Yeah. It's, uh, what's it, night of whatever, morning of morning or something. Yeah, something like that. There needs to be a comma in there. Um, yeah, Did suppose... anybody else get a, a, a um, Spider-Man Jameson vibe, actually, from, from that? You know, just saying wacky, over-the-top things. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, I suppose. Um, if, if anybody remembers the new adventures of Superman, Perry White was kind of eccentric in that as well, with all his Elvis yeah. references. <laughs> Aww. Who was the guy that played Superman in that? Dean Cain. Oh, I liked him. Is he dead now? No. Oh, I still, I still like him. He has a semi. He has a, he has a recurring role in Supergirl. Oh, is that on now? Uh, it will be in October. Okay. Uh, but the first season is out there if you want to watch it. So. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, Perry White. Uh, he's in it, but he just kind of sits there and chews the scenery for a couple of couple of minutes and and wonders where Clark Kent goes. But doesn't do anything about it. Why are we still in the whole people don't know who he is? Because isn't hasn't there been one where people do know who he is? 
He was in the previous Superman film, yeah. And isn't that the same as like Batman? Don't people now know who he is either? Why do people keep on forgetting? And why does it matter that they're still an like anonymous? Um, these films are reboots of the previous stuff, so anybody that knows their identity doesn't necessarily know it in this one. Damn it! I can't handle all these freaking timelines. Unless you're a mental super genius, <laughs> uh, or or slightly observant, I suppose. <laughs> oh, I mean, not many people have those cheekbones or a jawline. Well, so, well, it's the thing where you know Clark Kent doesn't even make any attempt to hide his physique. So when he disappears, all day. when you have it. So. <laughs> well, because otherwise people might start thinking you're Superman. Yeah. yeah, but I mean they don't, so it's okay. It's obviously working. It's obviously working for him, you know, that whole hiding in plain sight type thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, ah. you, uh, you mentioned Senator Finch, and she was quite interesting as well. I thought she was actually a good female character in the sense yeah. that she had a reason for being there. She always did things that were relevant, and she was actually emotionally and 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 uh, strong and clever. Yeah, much better. Much better. She's way cool. I yeah, didn't know, but fair enough. I can't think of any other side characters that they don't. They really cover in the guy who detail. gets his legs blown off. They weren't blown off. <laughs> yeah, he's in what three scenes? Four scenes. He claims the Superman statue and graffiti is it? Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. He's more so a plot point than anything else. Yeah, but I feel like he's pretty. He's pretty um, important to the whole movie but by the time you get to superman and batman beating each other up oh yeah it that feels happens. like it feels like that happened four movies ago <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right it does yeah mm-hmm. so i suppose that takes us on to key scenes in the film um mostly we've, we've talked about the Wayne the Wayne murder which kind of follows as a thread throughout um i really like seeing the metropolis battle from bruce's perspective because you don't get a good look at what's going on, so you see heat vision coming out of buildings and things like that, and it's uh, everything's trashed and, and you don't quite know what's going on. It's like it gives you a good indication of Is that at the how, beginning? Yeah. And he's looking at everything and there's that big thing in the sky and I was like, Why are you going towards it? Why is anyone going towards it? Because he's Batman. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have any powers. He can't do anything. Because he's Batman, money's, that's the good money's reason. Not gonna stop the, the bad guys. He's a hero. <laughs> Because he's, he's running the opposite way from everyone else. Because he's rescuing that rogue child who happens to be the only one that survives. Like, what? There was a few survivors kicking about. Yeah, but all of them had the... They were old enough to be there. There's some things I like about that battle in that I imagine what he's seeing is probably perfectly synced up to what was in the last film. But that mm. also troubles me in some ways because some, someone had to like sit and kind of map out the entire thing just so you could see it from... Where Bruce would have seen it on the ground. I think it's but it brings in a it brings in an interesting perspective, you know, because it is the human perspective of this. What's going on here? Uh, everything's falling apart around them, and no one can really figure out why. Mm-hmm. In the last movie, did people know that Superman was Superman? Um, well, there's the by the end of the battle, they know that he saved them. No, but in the one from. The last movie, where we see the end fight scene at the start, that's like a Superman battle, right? So Yeah, he's beating up Michael that, Shannon. Oh, Michael <laughs> Shannon. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it, it's supposed to be the, you know, 
Bruce Wayne's first encounter with um, the idea of what Superman can be, and it's his kind of unrestrained power, and when that power is unrestrained, there's lots of collateral damage, and, and that's something that he won't stand for, especially when some little girl almost that he doesn't know almost gets crushed. Mm-hmm. But if it's to save the world? Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of criticism about Man of Steel about how... Uh, he never. Superman didn't even try to get the battle out of the city, uh, and it's kind of playing on that. So, yeah, okay, he stopped Zod, but at what cost? But they seem to have an awareness now, you know, of people being like, "Why the hell are they doing it in the city and killing a bajillion people?" Yeah, well, it just so happened to be where Zod was at the time, and. And Superman flies in and tries to take him on. That's yeah. like a common theme for all of these superhero movies. An awareness of a of death that seems to be. Well, they want to avoid civilian considered. casualties. For... Yeah, they do now because everyone said, "Why the? F- what are they doing that oh, in dear. the city?" <laughs> well, yeah. Then they ham-fistedly talk about it in this one and say. Hey, Luke. Hey, if the Avengers did, care about this, did so you, should be. Did you notice there's no one around? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a good job that it's the end of the working day in Metropolis and no one's around. <laughs> well, I was thinking, have you ever seen a, a, a city or any sort of district of a city completely empty out like that? No. Yeah, <laughs> Batman versus Superman. All the hipsters would still be in the bars and things. What yeah. hipsters? Because there'd be all these like derelict... You know, buildings that had been transformed think, into mm, hip joints. I don't some, think you know the same place that I do that that exists. There's no hipsters that exist there. What in Gotham? Yeah, Gotham does not have hipsters. A bit of Metropolis? Nope. <laughs> no hipsters. No one has time to be a hipster because they're too busy either being stuck on a bus on a bridge that's getting attacked or reading a newspaper. Reading a newspaper on a bench being attacked. So. No space for hipsters. Yeah, what did everyone else think of the uh, Metropolis battle from um, from Bruce's perspective? To, to get back on topic here. <laughs> <laughs> Does that answer your question? Well, oh. I already said that. I kind of I like that it, that it mirrors the, the action from the last one, but then it also kind of troubles me that, that it's so it's probably so accurate. Yeah. Yeah, the the one image I am um, that that sticks with me is the the heat vision just flying out of the the windows and stuff of that building. And you know, if you, I, I remember the scene where that happened in Man of Steel, and you know, from the outside it would have looked exactly like that. Just all this, yeah, all this destruction just coming right at you, um, with no one really seeming to care about it. Mm-hmm. I think it was quite 9-11-esque, a lot of the sort of street-level clouds of dust sort of billowing towards Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Do you think filmmakers should stop homaging 9-11 in films? Well, I don't know. They seem still pretty interested in... Um, pretty big cultural event, I think. So. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's been... I went to a lecture once where they talked about how it was like the most sublime thing that's ever happened to... To like modern day humanity or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Aaron, what are your thoughts on the the Metropolis battle reprise? Um, to be fair, I think you've I think you've kind of 
covered it. I, I, I'm, I'm happy. I, I think what Angus said about it, somebody has gone through it and, and, and made it accurate. I actually quite like the dedication that somebody's done that because it shows yeah. they have some care about what they're doing. Um, and I've seen too much where it's all just been a bit slapdash. Ah, just do this. Ah, just put that in. It'll be fine. You know, especially, I don't like to see that. I, I like I the effort. That, that's, especially in Man of Steel, when you don't get any sense of geography at all, you don't get any sense of where they are in the city. And just when it looks like the whole place is leveled, there's more of it to level. So it's interesting to see, you know, the ship goes here. And I imagine there was a bit of artistic license taken with it to make it kind of make a bit more sense. But um, is there going to be another one? Yes. (laughs) There will be many more. Because I'm just wondering what the city's going to look like afterwards. We never really see much of a the actual destruction and stuff from afterwards. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It all seems to be pretty well fixed by the time you get there the next time, doesn't it? <laughs> We've managed to not talk about the main event throughout this entire podcast. So, uh, you know, the the title of the film, uh, Batman v Superman, how was the fight for everybody? Loved it. Did like it, actually. Um, uh I like the fact that it opens with um, one of them trying to talk to the other and the other one being just too angry to deal with it. Yeah. I like the fact that clearly at the start, only one of them really stands a chance and they, they don't make too too much of a, a meal of that. It's just clear Batman would lose yeah. until he starts having to be clever. If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's clear and it's obvious. And it actually does something well that I've disliked in so many other action scenes. I really dislike it in, in a lot of combat on TV and film where they throw each other around a lot. You know, <laughs> there's no need for that. If you can just knock somebody down with a sword thrust or a punch or shoot them, then surely you would do that. Why do people insist on throwing each other around a lot? But here it's a way of put Bruce down, stay down while I talk to you. I can't hit you because you would die. Therefore, the only thing I can do is try and slow you down by pushing you into something. So appreciate that use of something that's overused. Yeah, I think the Superman-Zod fight kind of suffers from them just being able to plow each other through buildings and walls and anything that's nearby. And so they end up just kind of flying around and, you know, too much too much destruction whereas yeah i'd agree that in this fight it's uh one very one-sided and then gets one-sided the other direction after all the gadgets come into play yeah i mean superman versus zod was two invincible people hitting each other and that's not interesting because they're invincible uh you know so it just becomes about what they can break when they they hit each other and you do get the sense that it's kind of two gods fighting it out and that's slightly interesting but the whole um how would i how would a human tackle fighting Superman and how would Superman tackle fighting a human uh, is an interesting one. And obviously they're um, making uh, a lot of reference to the Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller story that was also made into an animated film. And, uh, uh, I believe you have not seen it, I'm afraid. Yeah, it, it, it's, really, it's a really good story. Um, it's basically similar to this, Batman is old and has gone a bit rogue and in that story, Superman is a function of the government, so he steps in to bring down Batman because the President of the United States tells him to. And it's sort of set in this Elseworlds future where um, 
where it doesn't, where you don't really have to explain the motivations because this just isn't the Superman that you know. It's a future version of another one, you know, and it gets away with it in that sense. Yeah. But in this one, obviously, it has to feed into whatever world they're trying to build. So you can't. So Batman is slightly older, but he's not. He's not old to the point where he's irredeemable in, in terms of his methods. And uh, um, so when they fight, um, they're fighting about. They're, they're fighting for the reasons they've set, us, set out in this film rather than Batman has just gone off the reservation completely. I think in that way, this the fight scene as well builds nicely up from where they've set it. It does actually start out as a disagreement that that is that can't be resolved. So for it, it's it's almost like it, it does have a purpose. We would advertise this thing. These two people are going to fight. It was almost like a wrestling match where you're just yeah. going to see people thumping their chests. But here, the rest of the film does actually build up to it very nicely. Although only I think in the extended edition, do you actually get that why both of them are at the edge yeah. of their tether in the theatrical. You don't really get that so much. Although in both versions, Superman is coming to Batman for help. He's not coming to fight. It's just, you know, Batman starts to fight. Um, and in this version, it's two hours in. It's actually over two hours in before. <laughs> You've seen an entire fighting. film before they start to fight. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I like how the fight was handled. And I usually hate when they have to depower someone just to make a fight have more stakes. But in that sense, um, it's interesting because Batman, you know, he, he could obviously just... I don't know, make kryptonite bullets and shoot him and, and that would be over. But I think I, I get the impression that he really wants Superman to know who beats him before he gets killed. Mm. And that that's interesting. Batman wants to win in every sense of the word rather than dealing with, you know, rather than just kill him. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting fight, although a lot of people have criticised the fact that you wait like an hour and a half, two hours for it and it lasts eight minutes. Mm. Surely there's a natural limit to, to it because it, it can't go on um, too long before you know that somebody has to win or die. So there's got to be a... I mean, if you'd have started picking Batman up and flying him across the city and then throwing him into various buildings and so on, like they would it just would have become ridiculous. I think it, yeah. it, it was what it needed to be. And the only solution to the it comes too late and it doesn't last long enough relative to the rest of the film length is to cut down the rest of the film length. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the right length. I, I, agree. So. I, don't, I don't want to see them just duking it out for hours on end. <laughs> Although the, the way the fight ends has been device, divisive. You know, when Superman says Martha and it, yeah. um, snaps Bruce out of his his rage um, because, you know, because he hears the name. And I can understand why Superman said the name Martha instead of Mother because it gives, um, it gives Batman enough information if he's about to stab him to then go and save his mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree yeah. with that. There's yeah. definitely. I'm, I'm, I was actually happy with the reason he's saying that. Unfortunately, yeah, the 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 way of getting out of the fight again, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the main plot of you're trying to be human. I've gone off the rails, and I think I should brand somebody. It is it it, it because it doesn't connect into anything we've heard before. It's it, it you're right. It does kind of work, but it's a shame mm. that it's just completely unconnected. Yeah, it <laughs> kind of goes against his. If there's a one percent chance, we have to take it as an absolute certainty, yeah. unless his mum has my mum's name. Yeah, although 
the idea is, or at least I think the idea they're going for is that it helps him realize that it's he isn't just fighting a faceless, powerful alien. He is fighting someone who was raised by humans and is therefore, by definition, human in, in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, and it's just the name happened to sync up to help him realize that. I mean, if Clark's mother's name was Louise, uh, for for instance, it would have been a. Uh, it may have ended differently. I think though that's the good ending to a different build-up. Yeah. So, you know that's so it's fine, but it's it just it's still it's a different story. You can see what the writers were trying to do. It just doesn't feel like they kind of delivered exactly no. on the the point about you know his humanity. Yeah. It just wasn't kind of hammered home enough. And I'm guessing that um, I'm guessing that the the scenes of him standing in the mausoleum looking at the the plaque with his mother's name on it were probably added a bit later once they realised they needed to foreshadow it mm. uh, to make it work. Or maybe it was always part of it, I don't know, but it, it yeah, it does feel slightly tacked on, but I think it does kind of work. And it's interesting that it plays up the fact that their names are the same, that the mother's names are the same. Uh, if that's existing canon then, I guess. Yeah. And obviously the, the thing it keeps coming back to is as well is it's his dad's last word, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, as he's... Yes dying he says Martha and then yeah it, it sort of works but sort of doesn't it's just quite funny how he does a complete 180 as soon as the name's mentioned yeah just makes them both mama's boys in the end yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a film about mummy issues essentially which oh, Civil War almost was in, in some ways but that's a different podcast oh. <laughs> Um. So we've talked about Batman's rescue of Martha, how awesome it was. Uh, the Arkham Asylum scene. We talked yeah. about that earlier. Um, and the final fight sequence we also talked about, where it's just a mess of rubble and, and lights. and Cave trolls. And cave trolls, yeah. Although, obviously, Superman um, val- valiantly sacrifices himself for the greater yeah. good. And that was quite brutal as well, actually, seeing him getting <laughs> impaled like that. <laughs> It's also Wonder Woman's fault because she cuts Doomsday's hand off and causes it to become this impaling appendage. Mm. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the... I, I thought the sacrifice was a bit tacked on as well. I just think that there'd been too much going on for him to suddenly want to kill himself to save the world. Well, the whole thing with Doomsday is a tackle, so nothing about yeah. that that he could really do is is going to save that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Obviously, um, the fact that Doomsday was in the film uh, tells you that Superman's going to die because there's no there's no other reason for Doomsday to exist. That's why he was created. That's why he exists. Yeah. And he is just a mindless beast. So all he does is tear apart everything in his path, which includes Superman. Um. And I think the sacrifice is, I don't know, is it supposed to be him fully accepting that, that Earth is his home and he's going to defend it? or It's just the natural end of the religious plot. If you yeah. make a character Jesus, then he has to sacrifice himself for the sake of the world. It's You've, you've, built, you've built that corner that you must then go into. So yeah. it, it's, And it's a shame that it, it comes to that because it's the idea of him being a religious figure is a good idea. The idea of him having to sacrifice himself at the end and make that ultimate, uh, it, it ultimately proves 
that he is actually a good character because there's no coming back from that and is the the final choice yeah. but it it if it, 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 it's it, it, it doesn't really seem to fit into the rest of this plot where he's oh what should i do who should i choose to be because the only thing you're left with is oh i should choose to be jesus <laughs> and it, it, it's all you know it's all a bit too uh, these are two really good plots probably don't want to see them together probably i could have had them in in separate films yeah. well the, yeah the death of superman is a big comic story and they're always going to adapt it eventually whether people like it or not but two films in probably a bit soon i thought if yeah, the whole doomsday thing had been the third film it was the logical conclusion yeah. as you've been saying it had to it had to happen with the whole messiah sort of narrative but yeah i think it was i don't think it was handled all that well and especially with the whole fight being, you know, in a, an unpopulated area. Yeah, he's doomsday's causing a, a load of destruction and would go on to do so if he was, you know, if he wasn't stopped. But it just feels a bit too immediate and Superman just sort of throws himself in there and yeah. almost for the sake of it, just because he has to die as part of the plot. Yeah, but then, I'd give him it, the spear to Wonder Woman, personally. <laughs> well, it doesn't, it doesn't kill her and uh, she's just, yeah. she, can t- she can take it, so... And she's clearly been presented as somebody much better in a fight than every other person on the planet. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, that um, when when Superman turns up and meets Wonder Woman for the first time and uh, asks Batman, is she with you? And he says, I thought she was with you. I mean, obviously, it's a trailer joke, but it makes no sense. Um, well, that's because he's got no reason to be her. there. It can't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But Batman's the one who knows her, uh, at least slightly. <laughs> So, oh, no, no, she's in costume now. She's not yeah. in an evening dress. Totally fooled <laughs> oh, by that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was a bit messy that that whole sequence. But yeah, I'd have given the spirit of Wonder Woman, or maybe Batman could have picked it up and and snuck up on Doomsday while they were, the superpower people were distracting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Superman had to die, so he did. He, does. he has to die because he has to die. The plot needs it. Yeah, bad reason to do it. Yeah. And I thought the I thought the funeral scene was was eye rollingly bad. <laughs> uh, they'd really need to stop using Amazing Grace and and uh, <laughs> funeral scenes in films. Uh, I wonder if there was a better hymn they could have picked actually that would have fitted more about the the the, the choices that a human being makes rather yeah. than going for let's pick the one about slavery because yeah. there was no connection to slavery in this film whatsoever. You know? It also always makes me think of uh, Wrath of Khan. <laughs> because when, when Spock's funeral, it's that music that's used. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm I mean, sure was, I've seen it in other genre films as it well. It was pretty cliched. Yeah. The way it was handled. And there was a whole, yeah, there was the, the soldier's funeral and then the, the farmer's funeral. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it doesn't quite work. And then obviously the, oh, look, he got his engagement ring sent here. Like, yeah, okay. that was too much for me. Yeah. It's like, right, okay. Uh, you're you're desperately trying to get us to feel an emotion here. Yeah. And since Lois Lane's been in about five scenes by this point, it's not working. Um, of course. We agree. Superman ain't dead. Anyway, you see dirt fly off his coffin. Yeah, yeah that is, it's, the whole thing is rushed. They didn't even do that as a end credit thing, did they? It was just, uh, no, it was just we, a, we are definitely well, the, going straight on here. Yeah, it's the last scene in the film. It's the, yeah, it's before the credits start. Yeah. 
I, I felt or I remembered from seeing it the first time in the cinema that you saw a bit more of the dirt rising, but then in this extended one, that maybe it's a little watched, bit less. Yeah, yeah, it seemed a little less. Like it was more of a, it was more ambiguous in this. I felt in the cinema you were like, oh, he's back, or he's going to be coming back. But in this, yeah. it, it still it felt a bit more like the end of Inception or something where you're not quite sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he'll obviously be back because the Justice League needs to be the right. Justice League. But yeah. um, I do quite like the idea of the team getting together as a tribute to Superman, actually. Um, you know, the Maybe, idea we- but Bruce being suddenly so sentimental at the end, I failed him in life. It's just, where the <laughs> hell did that come from? Yeah. yeah. It's like them. Um, it's like I misjudged him, maybe, but yeah. I totally failed him in life. It, it, again, it's two films rammed together yeah. to get it's that like, level it's of change. It's like Diablo and Suicide Squad when he says, "I'm not going to lose another family." It's like, yeah. okay, yeah, you've, you've worked together for five minutes. Uh, calm down. <laughs> yeah, misjudged him would have been the um, the better the better reasoning for yeah. But, but the idea of we don't have this superpowered alien to protect us from bigger threats anymore. We need to all come together, and uh, it, that ties into the the vision that Bruce had earlier in the film, where uh, he's in a post-apocalyptic wasteland um, with Omega symbols drawn on the floor, and he's trying, and he sees it as Superman has taken over, but um, you see Darkseid's minions and the Parademons turn up and stuff, so. There's no way that Bruce Wayne would just imagine that. Yeah. So where he gets the vision from, I don't know. Well, it's just all crammed in, isn't it? Justice yeah. League. It's got to be in there. So there it is. Yeah. yeah it doesn't have an explanation. I, mean, I, I, I quite like the hint of the um, the hint of the second dream. You know, it's where the the Flash is uh, struggling in a time portal, trying to warn him about something, and then disappears and. At least I read that as that that's really happening, whereas the nightmare didn't, obviously. Um, I think the whole that whole stuff is all just very kind of confusing and kind of crammed in. And uh, I think for audiences or members of the audience who aren't kind of as clued up, they'll probably just be confused by it all. Yeah. Although, I mean... It brings us on to the the whole wider universe context that this film tries to rush through. You know, you've got like good cameos or good use of cameos and bad use of cameos. And I think um, clicking on YouTube videos of other superheroes is bad use of cameos. (laughs) But I actually think the Flash coming back in time to warn Bruce Wayne of something is a good use of a cameo. Because it's a bit of a mystery of who this person is and what they're warning him about and, and what's actually going on and what's going to happen rather than just here's a 30 second clip of him doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then, but that's kind of they do that in Suicide Squad as well where they introduce characters and then it's like a, you've got to read their bio to <laughs> find out their backstory. <laughs> their on screen bio. Yeah. And yeah, so this film teases um, Aquaman, uh, The Flash, and Cyborg, as well as Wonder Woman, uh, all through YouTube videos, mm. uh, where someone at LexCorp has actually made their logos already, so that's useful. Yeah, someone spent time designing those and applying them to the, the links that they click. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all, it all feels fairly forced and all very kind of just 
shoved in to to introduce the idea of these characters and that they're going to be called upon or that the next sort of uh, the next crusade will round them all up and then yeah. bring them together. Yeah, they'll assemble to avenge Superman, <laughs> or they'll form a league to preserve For justice. justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Aaron, what's your thoughts on the cameoing in, of those three heroes? Oh, well, it, it's the same. As, it's the same as uh, Doomsday, isn't it? It's just another film. It's a yeah. separate film that was that was put in because it needed to be put in. Yeah, there's yeah. There's, there's no redeeming quality to it really. Even if you quite liked some of the scenes, like or oh, quite like that version of Flash, I might quite liked. Uh, this, that, or the other character, there's still no good reason for it. You still don't get enough out of it. Yeah. A guy using a trident to smash a camera, you know, pretty <laughs> much all you're going to get out of that is, hey, that's that guy from Game of Thrones. End. <laughs> you know. Or uh, the guy from Terminator 2, uh, who played Miles Dyson. Oh, yeah. uh, he was the, the guy that um, was trying to fix uh, Cyborg. Who will become cyborg? Uh, clearly hasn't learned his lesson about messing with advanced technology after all these years. Yeah, hmm. but I will I will stand by my thought of the the time traveling Flash cameo was was a good little Easter egg. The rest were, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's just Wonder Woman checking her email, isn't it? That's all it is. <laughs> And, and she, see, yeah. The way it's presented, it seems as if Bruce Wayne sent her that email while he was sort of on location fighting Superman. Or you know, <laughs> yeah, it's also the bit that the text gets gradually revealed as she scrolls down. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, just perfectly revealing the next line. <laughs> I've never had an email. It's more of a PowerPoint presentation than an email, I suppose. Yeah, the. Yeah, they they haven't set up their universe all that organically, and I mean I hate to keep comparing stuff to Marvel, but it's it's impossible not to. By and large, they've done their universe building a lot better because they took their time. Yeah, it's all just a bit of a rush job, isn't it? Yeah, because in yeah in Marvel films you had Nick Fury at the end of Avengers, and then Iron Man two you had Black Widow, the Hulk was mentioned in Shield as well. Uh, eventually you had Hawkeye and Thor, the first Thor film in one scene, and so on and so on. Have there been post-credit sequences in these DC films? There's a mid-credit scene in Suicide Squad. Right. I wonder if they were sort of deliberately shying away from that because it's so kind of linked to Marvel now. They did in in the first two, but Suicide Squad had that mid-credit scene. Uh, So I don't know if that's going to become a staple of their filmmaking or not. Find right. out in Wonder Woman, I guess. Because you got to think that they're going to try and uh, differentiate themselves somehow, despite the fact that everything they do seems to be, uh, at the moment, is sort of you know following in the footsteps or trying to surpass everything that Marvel's been up to. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough when you have so many cinematic universes flying about. It's uh, it's tough to stand out. Mm-hmm. And it's something we were talking about in the Suicide Squad cast, actually. The um, the whole idea of when you have multiple cinematic universes 
or just multiple blockbusters, people will pick what they spend their money on. So when you've got Batman v Superman, Civil War, and X-Men all out in one summer, people that spend money on these things are probably going to choose one, maybe two of them. So I guess you have to stand out in some Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And does this film stand out? I guess so. For being a three-hour behemoth, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Aaron, does it stand out? It stands out for me because of tackling of relevant issues for today. So I'm going to say yes, it does for that reason, because nobody else has really gone down that angle, I don't think. Yeah. Maybe Iron Man 3 with his psychological issues is is relevant, but no, I I quite like the the politics. There's a sort of NSA spying uh, shield sort of plots in the, throughout some of these Marvel movies I suppose that kind of mirrors particularly Winter Soldier yeah yeah. but it's not every day it's not the stuff we see on TV you know no. whereas we're all seeing um, just just with the Iraq inquiry just come out now for, for Brits I mean there'll be the, plenty of equivalents across the world America and so on but just for the Brits should you get involved in another country's affairs and if you choose to do so what are the consequences we're all seeing that on TV we're all making those judgments of our own leaders it's just yeah. so much more relevant than than all the secret organisations going on which is very interesting to see but it, it just doesn't have quite that hit that relevance yeah, and it would it would actually be really interesting to see, a, to see a Superman film that is about that on its own as well. And I don't uh, well, know that comes of, down to the two film theory again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what kind of form that would take, or or who you'd be, whose ultimate antagonist would be. But it would be interesting to to see a Superman film where he is after being revealed to the world, trying to find his place in it, and that does happen here, but it's kind of sidelined in a lot of ways as well because of all the other stuff they're trying to throw into one one blender to make this this whole cinematic universe thing work. Yeah. Um, so after this, we'll have Justice League and Wonder Woman next year, although they're not in that order, it's the opposite order. Uh, anybody excited about them at all? <laughs> <laughs> There's not really done enough with them to be excited about them. You have to just want to love that character. I think if you do love your character, you're going to get. You will. Otherwise, no, not seeing anything. Mm-hmm. Not even Wonder Woman. Not not the uh, mess that Justice League could be. But I think Wonder Woman could be okay in a kind of in the same way that Captain America. Uh, you know, the introduction to that character was kind of a period piece, so yeah. you know, it could be something a bit different to what we're used to seeing. Yeah, and I'm. Um... I'm looking forward to all of it. I mean, I like these ones and, uh, you know, I like this film despite my misgivings about it and uh, I look forward to seeing more and I'm interested to see how Justice League differs to the Avengers, if nothing else. Mm. It will certainly be a different film. <laughs> a good different, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should, should probably wrap this up, I think. Uh, I think we've beaten this film to death. With yep, we've almost, spear. almost gone as long as the extended edition. Oh dear, yeah. So, just final thoughts, 
what do people think of this version of the film or the film in general? Well, in summary, I guess I'd have to say I did enjoy the film. I did prefer the extended edition. I did like the theme they took, but yeah, it's just so long. And then there's two films rammed together that didn't need to be. Mm. Yeah, I'd say yeah, there's at least three different films going on <laughs> so long. Two hours in, you get to the Batman-Superman fight. Uh, Lex Luthor's crazy. Good crazy, maybe? Bad crazy, probably. Uh, from a different film. Maybe I'd quite like to see the film that he's supposed to be in. But, um, yeah, it's all just a big, long, kind of messy fight. Yes. I yeah. thought it was quite boring. <laughs> I can certainly see why why people would think that. And there are parts of it that do drag. I think uh, there's no yeah, sense of taste to it. I think because I hadn't heard that much about it. And then when I went to see it, um, I'd heard a lot about Wonder Woman. And I think I was really underwhelmed by, um, by her introduction because I really wanted to see more of her. I thought that she mm. could have really been um, quite interesting. Maybe in the yeah. next one. Or her own one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I would agree. I did like it. I liked some of the things they did. Didn't like other things. The extended edition is a much better film. It's much more rounded, but it's not going to change anyone's mind on the on the overall experience, I don't think. So, yeah. Uh, I am interested to see more. I think I'll, I, I'm more interested than excited, though. So, you know, Marvel films I get excited about because they just make me feel excited about them. But the DC films are like, what are they going to try next? And maybe one day I'll be excited about Justice League 2 or something like that. (laughs) You'll be going to see them for more than just a sense of duty. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. Well, hopefully. Hopefully so. Yeah. So on that kryptonite spear, um, thank you to... Yeah, <laughs> thank you to everyone for uh, for chiming in on this very long discussion. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to editing. <laughs> and um, thanks to anybody who listened this far. Um, yeah, anybody got any final statements? Uh, yeah, edit, edit. Nice. <laughs> um, so thank you, Angus. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie, for cameoing. Uh, <laughs> she isn't there. She's not there. Man. She's, she says thanks. Okay. Right. So we shall sign off. Goodbye, all. See you. Bye. Bye. That was our long discussion of the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. I hope you enjoyed, and as always, if you like what you heard, please do subscribe on iTunes or any major podcasting app. I'd like to extend a special thank you to YouTuber 331ERock for the excellent music featured here. On behalf of all the panellists, I hope you'll join us for the next edition of Neil Before Pod. 